<laughs> sense of theme here. Hey, it's Gary and Shannon. Uh, thanks for downloading, listening to uh, the podcast of the Gary and Shannon Show. Now, if you want to listen to it live, you can do so every weekday from 10 a.m. until 2 p.m. in the greater Los Angeles area on KFI AM 640. Or you can go onto the iHeartRadio app and just type in KFI and listen live, listen to old shows, etc. Make sure that you subscribe not only to this podcast and share it with all your friends, but the pre-post podcast as well, which is bonus content that we can't do on the air for legal purposes. The following is intended only for mature audiences. Whoops. Oh. Right out of the gate. That was awesome. Gary Hoffman. Major style points. Shannon Farron. She likes to impose her will. She's not one that's going to sit back. She's gone out there and done what she wants to do. I mean, what is going on here? Gary and Shannon. Uh, you know, I do like this team. You put up your best pictures and personality traits. You lie about how much money you make. I've seen both your profiles. They're filled with life. Oh, my goodness. What a change of events here. Practicing my breathing already. I know it's lame. But you have to you have to tense up your thighs, your butts, and your abs. Like this. And then fill your lungs with air. And then every three seconds you do a That's terrifying. Yeah. Junk. Yeah. Uh, and then you don't pass out. That's the word. That's what they all say. <laughs> Tomorrow is uh, is uh, my big flight with the Air Force Thunderbirds. One of them, actually. Not all of them. Just one of them is going to take me up on an F-16. So this is going to be a, a very strange couple of days because um, – Shannon is going to be traveling. She's going to be on her way to London for the Chargers game super early on Sunday morning. So she won't be around tomorrow, but we're still doing our gas news and brews. By doing this, we have hired a couple of fantastic Gary and Shannon impersonators. And lucky enough, they already work here. So Neil Saavedra. That was my J- nickname in prison. And Jane Wells are going to uh, are going to be uh, hosting everybody down at HQ Gastropub at Huntington Beach. Also... We're there, obviously, to kick off the great Pacific Air Show, which starts tomorrow. It's not a practice day, by the way. Tomorrow is the beginning of the air show. So um, they're going to be there from 10 a.m. until 2 p.m. After my flight, after my F-16 flight, uh, producer Nick and I are going to hopscotch. Either we'll parachute in or probably Uber to HQ Gastropub uh, and sort of do the debrief, and we'll get the first uh, first reviews of what an F-16 feels like when it's uh, firmly strapped to your butt. So, hey. And the thing is, uh, if you didn't hear that interview from yesterday uh, with, with Major Brandon Felker, who will be the pilot tomorrow, he's a local guy, grew up in Irvine. So... Uh, yeah, I heard all of that. I had one takeaway from that interview. What was that? That if, I have to clean up yes. the mess? Yes. Yes. That's funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I mentioned that to my wife, and she said, that's never going to happen. And I said, what do you mean? I, I, don't, I don't think I'm going to get sick or anything. And she said, no, no you never clean things up. <laughs> All right. Uh, a bunch we're going to get to. Shannon will be joining us soon. Um, she is still in transit. There's a bunch of stuff going on, a lot of pieces that are moving. We have our great California shakeout coming up in a few minutes. Of course, you're going to want to pay attention to. But let's start with a story that has been dominating the headlines uh, about Jamal Khashoggi. Now, Mike Pompeo, our Secretary of State, 
has uh, been traveling not only to Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, but also to Ankara, Turkey, to talk about and try to find out what he can about what's happened to this Washington Post columnist. And a couple of things that he mentioned today after he got out of his meeting, he came home, briefed the president this morning on what he learned and, and, and found out on his trip, and then talked to reporters outside the White House. I think it's important for us all to remember, too, uh, we have a long, since 1932, a, a long strategic relationship with the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. They continue to be an important counterterrorism partner. Uh, they have custody of the two holy sites. Uh, they're an important strategic alliance of the United States, and we need to be mindful of that as well. Then he went on to Turkey. When I traveled and met with President Erdogan, uh, he talked to me about the incident. He told me that they were conducting their own investigation. Uh, we had a chance to meet with some of the team involved with that. Uh, he assured me that they would share their results with uh, the Saudis as well. Okay, and then when it comes to what sort of a response Saudi Arabia has, what sort of a sham investigation they try to put together and foist off on us. We're all going to get to see the response that the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia takes with us. When we see that, we'll get a chance to determine, all of us, we'll get a chance to make a determination with respect to the credibility and the work that went into that. Okay, when, when Jamal Khashoggi was killed, we all assume, inside that consulate in Istanbul, Turkey, there was a 15-member kill team that was tracked, arriving at, a couple, at an airport and a couple of airplanes, showing up to the consulate, leaving... And no Khashoggi, at least not in one piece. One of those 15 members of the, finger quotes, kill team has died in a very serious, uh, sorry, very suspicious traffic accident. Mm-hmm. Mashal Saad al-Bastani was a lieutenant in the Saudi Royal Air Forces. He died in a car crash in Riyadh. Adding that uh, uh, the the official newspaper Yeni Safak reported that his role in the actual uh, Jamal Khashoggi disappearance is unclear at this point. Uh, it's doubtful that he was the bone saw guy. Maybe he, he was the finger trimmer, something like that. The other thing is that the Saudi consul in Istanbul has been called back. We mentioned that yesterday because they were going to search his home and his car. He has been called back to Saudi Arabia. He's going to be the patsy in all of this. You watch. He is the guy who is going to be, um, I guess you could say, charged with, if you want to call it that, charged with Jamal Khashoggi's murder. This is the patsy, the Saudi consul, because once they get and can pin it on to somebody, this is the guy they can pin it on to, everybody will start looking the other way. Mike Pompeo told the president that Saudi Arabia does deserve a few more days to investigate this murder, to investigate this disappearance. And here's what it's going to be. In a few days, whether it's 72 hours like Mike Pompeo suggested or if it's uh, before that or even after that, it's going to be the same thing, that this Saudi consul was just some rogue guy who on his own ordered the death of Jamal Khashoggi or allowed the interrogation to go so wrong that the guy ended up dying. So we'll, we'll keep an eye on this because this is a strange, very strange story, but it's got massive international consequences. The Washington Post, by the way, ran what we believe is Jamal Khashoggi's last article, an op-ed piece on freedom of the press uh, and, and Middle Eastern governments trying to silence members of the media. All right. When we come back to Gary and Shannon, there was an attack in Afghanistan. This is uh, sort of a headline that seems like it could have come 10 years ago. 
Top Afghan leaders were killed, even though the Taliban was trying to kill an American. So we'll talk about that when we come back to the Gary and Shannon Show. Also, an opportunity for you to win $1,000 right now. Your shot at $1,000 now. Text the nationwide keyword BILLS to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. That's BILLS to 200-200. Got to answer that phone if you get a winner. If you are the winner, they'll call you before the top of the hour. But if you don't win, we have a chance every hour from 5 in the morning with the wake-up call all the way through the first hour of the Conway Show. Every hour, we're giving away $1,000 Monday through Friday. Baby, please have mercy on me. Take it easy on my heart. Even though you told me to hurt me. You keep tearing me apart. Gary and Shannon, Thursday, it's October 18. Monica, remind me again. Have you been in an earthquake? No. Okay, so you got a little freaked out there when he just literally just said... This is an earthquake, even though it wasn't really an earthquake. I froze. <laughs> Don't freeze. Because I know it's the mo- it's it's terrible, but, but you hear the sound that. and it, it gave me goosebumps. Um, but that's why we do it is so that you know to you know. Stop, Did you look stop, around and, and see roll? what could no? potentially be thrown oh, at you? Oh yeah, literally everything in this room. Yes. I would die in here. Well, the good news is those are those TV monitors that you have right now. Those TVs are are thinner. They used to be the giant, you know, sixty pound cathode ray tube TVs in there. So. Yeah, but there's so many speakers and yeah. yeah, I'd have monitors and speakers flying at my head. Those instantly. Uh, those sound dampeners behind you, those uh, cloth and uh, foam <laughs> Those things. aren't going to protect me, are they? No, 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 but they'll fall oh. on you and scare the living bejesus out oh, of you. Good. That, that, that's probably your biggest concern. Okay. So, well, welcome to California. Well, speaking of evacuating things. <laughs> <laughs> it's not funny. It's my body. <laughs> Uh, all right, so <laughs> Shannon's going to join us in a little bit. She's uh, on her way back to the studio. She's in the middle of this travel thing, getting ready to go, to, of course, to the Chargers game in uh, in London. Lucky. Uh, and I'm getting ready for the F-16 flight tomorrow, so we're going to be both on different kinds of airplanes in the next uh, 24 hours or so. Uh, all right, we, um, at the bottom of the hour, are going to tell you about the robocalls that have been going on. And I know this is a weird time for us to tell you about the $1,000 contest where you have to pick up the phone, but please... Pick up that phone. I always take robocalls. My wife hates it because it annoys the living tar out of her, but I have fun with the people whose job it is to call and annoy me. Uh, so anyway, we'll talk about that. There was a uh, there was a blue-on-blue blue attack is what they're calling it in Afghanistan because it appears that uh, a governor, a provincial governor in Afghanistan, had some of his own security guys turn against him. One of the most devastating Taliban assassination strikes in a very long time killed some of the top leaders of Kandahar province today. The target, though, the target, it appears, was General Austin Miller, the top American commander in that country. Um, The provincial governor's compound in Kandahar City was where this all took place. At least one attacker shot the, the police chief of Kandahar as well as the provincial governor and the intelligence chief. It said that three Americans were wounded in all of this. Uh, A U.S. soldier, a contractor, and another civilian apparently wounded in the attack. This was just after a very high-level meeting that was attended by General Miller. There was a news conference that confirmed that the provincial intelligence chief was martyred in the attack. That's how they said said it. They said he sent uh, security authorities from Kabul to assess the situation. A Taliban spokesman 
has come out and said in an email to journalists that the group did carry out the attack, that the main target in all of this was General Austin Miller, his nickname Scott. Uh, he claimed that in addition to the uh, the provincial intelligence chief, Abdul Razik, described as a savage commander of Kandahar, the provincial governor and the intelligence chief as well, the attacker, the way they described it from witnesses, was wearing the uniform of an Afghan soldier and open fire as they were in the governor's compound after the security meeting. The lone attacker was killed after fatally shooting the intelligence chief and uh, several of his bodyguards. He was reported to be a member of the provincial governor's security team. So imagine that, a guy who is incredibly close to the provincial governor and and specifically a member of his security detail ends up being a Taliban double agent and opening fire on these guys. The uh, lieutenant general in the Afghan National Police, Razik, was a controversial official. He'd repeatedly been accused of torturing detainees and other abuses during his rise to power in Kandahar. Uh, it was also uh, got a reputation as a fierce opponent of the Taliban, which, of course, means the enemy of our enemy is our friend, so he became our guy in that area. A lot of respect from American and NATO military officials who are currently working in Afghanistan. And, by the way, this is the this is the one time they were successful, they being the Taliban. They have gone after this guy several times. He has survived several assassination attempts, including suicide attacks, uh, and has been able to, up to this point, of course, strengthen the security in Kandahar, which is the birthplace of all of the Taliban activity that we've seen in Afghanistan. So uh, the, the bad news is that it was apparently a double agent, a guy working security for the provincial governor who ended up being the gunman in this case, who was shot and killed. Uh, and I guess the one sliver of good news out of this is that the American General Austin Miller, the American uh, commander in charge of U.S. and NATO forces in that area, was the target but was able to get away unharmed. There were three Americans who were hurt, but none of them killed. All right. When we come back, stop answering these robocalls. And I am just as much to blame as you are, but in just a few minutes, there are about 400,000 robocalls placed in the United States. I'll tell you how you can avoid those. By the way, you can hear every L.A. Kings hockey game live on the free iHeartRadio app. In fact, I think tonight is a game. Download the app, keyword L.A. Kings, and listen to your Kings take on the rest of the NHL. Brought to you by Morongo Casino Resort and Spa. Good times. I'll give you Gary and Shannon. At the uh, top of the hour, a couple things, sort of a flex show. Uh, Justin Warsham, host of the Dad Podcast, is coming along. Have you seen those Don't Touch My Baby signs? Uh, trying to prevent people from coming up and poking the kids, touching, pinching their cheeks or whatever. We'll talk to Justin about that. We're also standing by waiting for a news conference out of uh, San Bernardino. There was a uh, sheriff's deputy shot this morning in Adelanto, so we'll get an update on that. I believe that Andrew Mullenbeck is there as well, so we might hear from him a little bit later. 
Also, this bizarre story of the girl from rural Wisconsin that's been missing now for four days. Not a lot of new information coming out of that press conference lately, uh, yesterday afternoon. No, and it's uh, we were expecting bad news. Uh, yeah, I was expecting an, an ending to this, uh, uh, but that is not what happened. So hopefully she is she's okay, but they just don't know a lot. Hey, good morning. Hey, how are you? I'm fine. How are you? Are you stressing out about your flight? No, I'm not sleeping well. But I'm not stressing out about it. Yeah? Your mind's racing? You're thinking about all the things that, that could happen? Well, I'm just thinking. I, I read an article um, that was posted, I want to say, in the Idaho Statesman. Some, some newspaper. I didn't know that you were. <laughs> I'm a subscriber. <laughs> I get it. You know, uh, I picked up the old Idaho Statesman off the uh, front porch the other day. No, I, I, um, this guy, a writer for the Idaho Statesman, had uh, done a media ride with uh, Major Felker in Thunderbird Number no. 8. And just wrote up his experience and didn't pass out. So I thought, well, if an Idaho statesman reporter doesn't pass out, I can't pass out. No, you can't. So. You know you can't because Thanksgiving is right around the corner and you will be <laughs> My mercilessly. Gonna... Yeah, we didn't even mention that yesterday. My father-in-law flew for the Blue Angels. So uh, there's some rivalry going on. There always has been between the Blue Angels and the Thunderbirds. So. Does he use the word pansy a lot? Not uh, out. Not yet. Not well. <laughs> we'll see. Okay. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, okay. So, have you noticed that robocalls are on the rise? Yeah, they're on the rise by like fifty percent or something. This is what's amazing is that I don't usually get a lot of bad calls or robocalls on my cell phone, but I'm still one of those dinosaurs that has a landline. More because my parents only call me on my landline; they don't know what cell phones are uh, than anything else. And all of the numbers that we have filed with the, the school, for example, for my daughter, is the, you know, the emergency number, that's our landline. Not that we couldn't change it, but that's why we still have it. That's where we're getting all of our calls. Now, there are a couple of different reasons that you're seeing an uptick now. Obviously, politics. I mean, if you haven't received one of the, we're doing some research and we'd love it if you can just answer a few questions for us. You admitted to actually doing that and taking well, one of those calls and answering their questions. And I found that to be uh, surprising. I'll do the live ones. Uh, I won't do the recorded ones. Or I'll do a recorded one halfway through and hang up knowing that it absolutely blows whatever you know chance they had at using my information. But I'll do the live one because I want to hear the questions they're asking when it comes to these polls. Um, but so politics, clearly the midterms coming up. The second one is we've seen so many apps that you can put on your phone now, your 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 cell phone, your um, smartphone that block calls that these robocall companies have to shotgun even more calls out there. So that's one of the reasons. The other one is it's easier to do that. It's easier to do a robocall. You, for example, could go onto a website, type in a bunch of numbers, upload your audio, whatever you want it to be, and then have it call for you. Very cheap and high, you know, high volume phone calls. That, there, that's the other part of it. There have been scams, uh, not just politics, surveys, things like that, cold calls. There were a number of calls that targeted Chinese communities this spring. Uh, more than 30 consumers in New York City were scammed to the tune of $3 million by callers pretending to be from the Chinese consulate, demanding money to settle a criminal matter. <laughs> I have heard, and I haven't gotten one yet, but I've heard a couple of people say recently that they are receiving um, robocalls like this in Chinese. 
Oh, I'd love to get one of those calls. Yeah, but why? Just so I can say ni hao. That, what does that mean? I'm not sure, but it's all I know how to say in Chinese. I think it's like thank you or you're welcome or hello. Or, uh, ni hao. It's like aloha. Maybe it means Something all of that of nature. Um, in April, they were trying to, the, the Senate was trying to, you know, address the issue of robocalling. A guy named Adrian Abramovich testified before the Committee on Commerce, Science, and Transportation. The uh, FCC fined this guy $120 million for placing 100 million robocalls over a three-month period, he said in his testimony. He told the committee that he found robocalling software and services just by searching Google. That's all. And that a lot of these services provide a neighbor spoofing function, which I notice all the time especially on these calls when it comes to these uh, political uh, research firms, it will be a call from my area code. Yes, yes, me too. And it's it's almost sometimes off just two digits from my phone number. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, I think it's crazy, though. You and I, we don't have to answer these calls. You know, we don't have real jobs. There are people that have real jobs in this world, you know, real estate agents or people that are in sales that have to answer calls that they don't know the number coming in. Right. Right. And could you imagine? I mean, my husband gets these calls all the time. He gets like 10 a day. It's insane. I don't know why he gets so many. But if he had a job where he had to answer unidentified numbers, he would be spending wasting so much time answering these stupid robocalls. Yeah, or missing the ones if he got tired of it, missing right. ones that would be important. Right. Um, the the four wireless carriers, the largest four, AT and T, Verizon, T Mobile, and Sprint, all do have robocall blocking services. So if you're on one of the lower end um, wireless carriers, you you may not actually get those robocall. Uh, blockers built into your system. Google also had one in the Pixel smartphone that will answer and transcribe a phone call for you so that you know exactly what it is. And they're working on some sort of a technology standard, something called Stir Shaken, designed to authenticate a phone number and make the spoofing more difficult so it doesn't appear like it's coming from a neighbor down the, down the, you know, down the street. And this is similar to even if you've got a great email program, that you're using on a regular basis, you're still getting potentially hundreds of emails every single day that you'll never see. Uh, we have one here at work where every, you know, every morning, early one morning, it will say, hey, I, I trapped these spam emails. Do any of these look uh, legitimate that you would want to answer? And it's like, hey, free blue pills. Hey, hot chicks next door. Hey, you know, stuff like that. And you're like, yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Like yes to every one of them. Oh my gosh, Brian Suits just texted me a mm-hmm. picture of a baby fox on his property. What? Yeah, it's a baby fox. It's like a pale baby fox. Pale, huh? I'll post it on our Instagram. That is. Awesome. He wrote not to distract you. <laughs> <laughs> Knowing full well that you would be... Uh, Knowing full well that I would stop the show what? for this. Did you hear keys? I see bright lobjects. It's very cute. It is a very cute baby fox. All right. When we come back, um, we have a quick terror in the skies to get to. There is an investigation going on at Delta Airlines uh, for a sort of a mile-high club with a professional. Uh, and believe me, this nobody would have found out about this if somebody didn't take video. I haven't seen it, by the way. I haven't seen it. I know what you're thinking. Gary and Shannon will continue in just a moment. This music just been going on, going on. Tell me you're 
Gary and Shannon. It is uh, Thursday. It's October 18th. Tomorrow, a reminder, we, the royal we, will be out uh, for the Great Pacific Air Show down in Huntington Beach. Uh, a gas news and brews special edition tomorrow at HQ Gastro Pub right there along PCH. That is going to be so much fun. Jane Wells, Neil Saavedra, and a very pale Gary Hoffman when he shows up. I'll be there eventually, but uh, I will be flying with the uh, Air Force Thunderbirds tomorrow morning. What are you going to wear? What am I going to wear? Yeah. Didn't I didn't tell you the email they sent me? Uh-uh. I have to wear cotton socks, cotton underpants, and a cotton t-shirt. Why? Because that's all I get to wear under my flight suit. Wait, you don't even get to wear pants? Well, it's part of the flight suit. It's like a big jumpsuit. So you just wear like boxer shorts yeah. and an undershirt and socks. Yeah, because everything else they put on me. What happens if it's not cotton underwear? Yeah. Good. They, I don't what if get it's to polyester? Wear it. Yeah, there's a lot of polyester underwear in my drawer. I was thinking like silk, but no, none of that either. No? <laughs> no. You're not a silk underwear guy? No. I hmm. figure, and then I'll bring a change of clothes if I need to. Never know what happens. Uh, Well, you're going to need to put something on after you're done. Yes. And and wear something in the car on your way there. You can't just wear your underwear. Nick is going to be with me as well, so he may, I I consider. Do I have to drive for you after? Are you going to be okay? I don't. Well, we we, we have to figure that out. I don't know. There's a lot of unknowns. It's like algebra. (laughs) It's exactly like algebra. algebra. Uh, One of the stories, uh, well, at least um, regionally, that we've been following is this fire in an underground natural gas storage area up in the Bay Area. I don't know if you've seen this. In Bay Point, sort of uh, East Bay, outside of Concord, Chevron had to shut down and purge one of their natural gas pipelines because one of the storage areas caught fire underground. So they said they're going to clean out that pipeline, inject nitrogen, kill the fire. In the meantime, there are several thousand people who had to evacuate out of one of those neighborhoods. Um, Sports-wise, Dodgers won last night or yesterday afternoon. So I can't now... believe I'm going to miss this game. I. What do you mean you're going to miss the game? I'm going to miss the game. I don't think so. I think you have an opportunity to find uh, some place in London that actually carries the baseball game. I wouldn't be surprised if you were able to find it. Well, wait. What time does it start? Um, tomorrow night's game starts at a time that will be announced in a few seconds. Um, it is tomorrow. Game six is going to be tomorrow in Milwaukee, and the Dodgers only need to win one more to make it to the back to the World Series. So, uh, five thirty-nine Pacific time. So let's be uh, maybe a little late. It's going to be in the London. middle of the night. Well, then, then that's a choice that you're going to have to make. You're right. You're right. All um, right. Okay. We've got a we've got a bad flight attendant. Oh, Tara in the sky. Flight 209, are you are cleared for takeoff? Roger. Get off my plane. Roger, Roger. What's our vector, Victor? Enough is enough! I have had it with these monkey-fighting <laughs> snakes on this Monday to Friday plane! It's Gary and Shannon's Terror in the Skies. By the way... Before we get into that... Wait, hold on. By yeah, the way, yeah. that was a total dad voice right there. Yeah. That's a choice you're going to have to make. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. Here's another choice. Whether or not to look up the filmography of a gay porn star. Oh, it's always fun. Come why on, can't let's we go just down that find, route. Well, no, 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 no. Why can't we just no. find a normal list of movie titles that don't also have the DVD covers on them? So 
You have to do me a solid here yeah. because I am in Cleveland. I'm at a sister station, an iHeartRadio station, WTAM, and I am not going to search for male porn stars I or did. female porn stars on their computer. I did. And I'm not going to do it on my personal uh, iPad. So you're going to have to take one for the team here. I well, can help actually, if you that, feel that actually is the name of one of the movies that Austin Wolf <laughs> has been in. Is take one for the team. Wow. Uh, yes. There were others that are the ninety-eight percent of the titles I can't read. Come on. Uh, Get but, creative. But a lot of them have to do with locker rooms. I'm dying to know at least a couple of the titles. I just told you one. Take one for the team. That's not really one of them. I swear to you. No way. Yes, it is. Wow, I'm connected. A Delta Airlines is launched an investigation because videos appeared online of adult performer Austin Wolf, who is like 6'5", 240, built like a brick lavatory. <laughs> um, it shows him and an off-duty but in-uniform male flight attendant Getting it on in one of the lavatories on a Delta Airlines. Hey, There's another person hey. that fit in there with him? He's that yes. big? Yeah, I, yeah he's huge. I, uh, can we talk about that belly button tattoo? Oh, it's like a... It's like a sun. It, it would be like the handle... What do you call that? The the tramp stamp on the back, <laughs> right? But it's over It's over his belly button as yeah. opposed to his sacrum. It's almost like a sun. It's all black ink, but it's like a sun around his belly button. Hmm. Uh, I don't know why you do that. Well, but... why why do you get into gay porn? I mean, there are many many <laughs> questions know, about. <laughs> you know Listen. what's you know what's embarrassing is that I just looked up Austin I said Wolf. Not to. Well, I did. Oh, I, obviously, God. you're uncomfortable. I did. And I look to my left at Chris Little yeah. standing right your there. And it's almost like, oh, my God, is dad going to catch me doing something bad? Chris is like, oh, I see you're looking at Austin Wolf. Yeah, big, no big deal. <laughs> I enjoy his work. <laughs> Two different clips of this encounter were posted on Twitter. Um, the sources have said that this cabin crew member, uh, a recent hire in his early 20s, told his bosses that he had no idea that he was being filmed and had no part in posting it online. They but have that's been... irrelevant, isn't it? Well, you can't have sex if you're a flight attendant with uh, somebody on the plane. By the way, you can't have sex with anybody on a plane because you can be charged with interference with a flight attendant or flight crew. Uh, it's many times before people have been busted for that. I never really understood the fascination with the whole Mile High Club thing. I don't, I don't want to spend time in – well – if it was like a private plane somewhere, something like that, then I would get it. But if you're in the lavatory of a plane. <laughs> like of a Southwest jet. I've been in those things. And yeah. I don't want to spend any more time in there than I have to. Yeah. I don't get it. Mm. Guy is. Um, Stop looking at pictures of sorry, him. He's based in New York. The, the, Austin is. Uh, There's and a lot there. They're trying to figure out. Do you see out, the one where he's in the cotton underwear like you're going to be tomorrow? Who is? In Austin? the article. I've yeah. stopped looking at the pictures. I told you I, I couldn't get away from them. And now when I close my eyes, all I see. <laughs> uh, there's a chance that Delta Airlines goes after this guy. Because the assumption is he's the one who posted them, right? Not the flight attendant. And, in fact, Delta lawyers are looking at the possibility of going after this guy for breaking 
revenge porn laws for posting these things online without the other guy's permission. Yeah, I'm with Monica I, or, or Blake, whoever said it. I don't understand how he fit alone in the lavatory, let alone him and another man. Well, the assumption is that at some point there was an intersection of bodies there that sort of doubled sort of they I don't need to get a X's and O's play by play of of what of how it could happen. I just it's just kind of mystifying. Well, if you're interested, the sequel to Take One for the Team comes out in a couple of weeks. What's it called? Take two for the team? <laughs> no. Double team? Go you asked. Go what to you, news. How do you ask? You can't ask and then go, no. Go no. to Tag news. Team. I'm so pure. Blake? No. <laughs> One foot in front of the other. One foot in front of the other. I also remember a soccer coach <laughs> having the kids, like, after soccer, after practice, you know, good, hard practice. You know, it's hot and everybody's sweaty and they're eating their oranges and Capri Suns or whatever. This doesn't have to do with Austin Wolf, does it? No, not, not at yet. all. We've okay. uh, cleansed ourselves of that. Okay, um, good. But the coach wanted to get all the kids together. And I, I remember, like, eight years old, nine years old, somewhere in that area, the boys' soccer team wants to get all the boys together and sit around and go... So what did we learn today? And I just thought, God, this is the worst. You're sucking all the fun out of what is supposed to be, like, especially for boys, like a yeah. physical outlet. Anyway, uh, Gary and Shannon, Justin Warsham has joined us, host of The Dad Podcast. We I just, have no idea what that anecdote was related to. We were to. sharing coaching we were, stories. That was like stream of consciousness. Yeah. We're in the sports. home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we were talking about kid sports because my daughter came home the other day from practice and said that the coach was – she was mad because the coach was was yelling at some of the the girls for not running, and I said because they couldn't run, like they're injured or not running, like they weren't keeping up. And she said they weren't keeping up. And then she said, Ugh, "What about their self esteem?" And I had to, oh, I had to tell her, like, up in my mouth. Where are we? That's yeah. a high school coaches are supposed to ruin your self esteem. That's a that's because it coach. builds it any up. Coach. Yeah. What, what they do is they break you down yes. to build you exactly. up. Exactly. Haven't we seen all of those movies? Yes. Yes. But apparently she has. Not in the Hoffman house. After school well, specials are not what they used to. Aunt be. Shannon can come over with a bunch of old DVDs <laughs> and we could make a whole weekend out of it. Oh, I, don't, I don't have a DVD. I want to see that web series. Hey, Aunt uh, Shannon and four IPAs. <laughs> Uh, Good times. Uh, Justin Worsham, host of the Dad Podcast, joins us every Thursday. Always at the bar. (laughs) It's in my house, so don't judge me. The bar is? Yeah, it's more cost effective. I guess that's true. Do you get a lot of people who stop by? I'm starting to. I was very offended one time I did a play date where I invited a bunch of the kids. It was my first play date, and everybody was going to come over, and it was gonna, I thought I was going to have, like, five moms over. So I was like, great, somebody else to enjoy my fruity taste in clock- cocktails. Right. And so I uh, I have them all over, and then I think that everybody's going to want to hang out for an afternoon of fun. No. They all drop their kids off and bail. It's babysitting for them. <laughs> so it's just weird for me to drink alone while you, watching You have to be very drink. specific about we that it's a social thing yeah not I just have a question yes Ready, go. Go. get it uh we have covered this before how it's okay to have a cocktail if you're watching your own kids but is it okay when you're watching other people's kids uh i think i set a precedent that day so i say it's all good everybody go here's next. the thing if you if you're up front with it uh, i don't think it's an issue like you answer the door with a beer bottle in your hand 
at that point, they can make the decision, right? They're like, oh, you know what? On second thought, I nope. just remembered Bobby has a dentist appointment and can't come over. Yeah, I wouldn't be leaving my kids off with somebody who's drinking in the middle of the day. No, you would join them. Even if it was me? Um... Yeah, honest. no, you're all right. You're all right. Yeah, see, I'm not gonna. I, I just, I'm just there for ambiance mostly. Like, I like. What do idea. I care? I need some me time. You yeah, know, exactly. you're there as a fire extinguisher, as a last resort. Everybody's breathing. We're good. Back in the Safety pool, boys. Um, all right. I saw this story and I thought it was interesting. This idea of "don't touch my baby" signs. Yes. It's I- trending on Pinterest, where they teach you how to make decorative signs to hang on the little, you know how you have the car seat slash baby carrier? Yeah. So you hang it on there because, listen, anybody who's ever had a baby walking through a grocery store in the middle of the day, you're going to have somebody that's usually of of an older age, wants to come in and squeeze the cheeks, you know, scrub a little uh, youth off the top of their heads, that kind of thing. But but in the old days, when those same old people, yeah, when those same old people were our age and giving birth to these babies, they didn't have things like nut allergies. And now everybody's so concerned about touching a baby that you're going to pass on to them some sort of a a mutation. Or I I don't remember it being an issue 15, 18 years ago. It wasn't. It's become an issue probably in the past 10 years. Uh, I have a friend who uh, had a baby, and and, uh, she was – Kind of particular about who she would let hold the baby, and you had to I, wash your hands first. That drives yeah, me nuts. Yeah. You know, I don't know, and it, it, it just struck me as, oh, okay, so we're doing this now. Yeah, yeah. you know, I, because usually babies, are, it's open season. You see a baby, you touch the baby, you hold the baby, and now it's hands off the baby. I said this to a parent. So at my kid's elementary school, the teacher who had been doing it for eight years couldn't, for whatever reason, do the student council this year, and there was a parent who was outraged about this. And, and saying like the kids are being robbed of the experience of being like treasurer of their third grade class, and I what? said, I said, at what point do we need to realize that we're treating our kids so precious that we're damaging them? Like at a certain point, we do have to, as a collective group, go. We got to draw the line somewhere, and I think it, uh, there's an element of this of like, don't touch my. Ba-. Like I get, I get that it it messes up your routine, and it's a huge pain in the a to have to deal with a kid who's got a cold, especially a baby, because they get super congested, and it is flu season. And if your kid's under six months old, I believe they can't get an actual vaccination yet. Right. So there's lots of concern that I can understand, but. We always seem to forget that we've had hundreds and hundreds of years of everybody doing, for the most part, pretty great. Yeah, and even, you know, a hundred years ago, it was much more likely that there were multiple people who were caring for your child. It was, I mean, back then it did take a village because you had... Uh, older sisters or brothers or whoever, a lot of people touching the baby. Is there some sort of research that it's good for the baby, that it helps with socialization? Not even just socialization, the the immune system. What this idea of not touching your baby, like there's hardcore research that shows that kids that thuck, uh, thuck, Suck their thumbs. I don't even know if that was a bad word or not. <laughs> I'm going to start saying it all the time. <laughs> I just found the new F word for the Gary Chatter Show. You're welcome. Suck, <laughs> everybody. Uh, <laughs> that's with a TH, just to be clear, for anybody writing your letters to the FCC. Oh, uh, <laughs> oh, I'm going to get you guys canceled. Yeah, You're welcome. Thanks. That's, uh... Uh, no, so if you suck your thumb or pick your nose, you uh, dramatically your uh, allergies fall off. Yeah, like, and add to, that, add to that pets in the home when you're a child and your allergies go down through the floor. Kids who eat and play in the dirt, it's actually good for even your uh, gastrointestinal system. Pass around enough. that baby. Give yes. that baby to that dog. Everybody Let's lick the go. baby's forehead just one time. <laughs> 
<laughs> one time, and that kid never going to see a problem. All right, we'll talk we'll talk about some stay at home parenting numbers as well when also, we come back. Yes, I have uh, over here in Cleveland your chance at a thousand dollars. Where did you get that? Your shot at one thousand dollars now. Text the nationwide keyword "cash" to two hundred two hundred. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. That's cash to two hundred two hundred. This does not count as a robocall, but if you win, they'll call you before the top of the hour. If you don't win. Another chance to win next hour. In fact, once an hour, we're giving away $1,000 from 5 in the morning all the way through the first hour of that Conway show, Monday through Friday. Justin Warsham, host of the Dad Podcast, will join us when we can... Continue? That's it. We'll be back with us when mm-hmm. we can... Monica, if, if you do, Justin may have just ruined... Yeah, I don't even think we're broadcasting anymore. <laughs> Is this on? Is this on, Blake? Monica has He's, the latest. He pushed a four-minute delay. Big stories that we've been following include Jamal Khashoggi, the latest on the uh, Saudi writer. Mike Pompeo says he told the Saudis that we take his disappearance very seriously. Oh, by the way, one of the 15 members of the kill team that supposedly showed up in Turkey and took care of this guy went back to Saudi Arabia and then died in a very suspicious traffic accident. Well, they should just pin it on him. Well, it's either him or the Saudi consul that uh, that was there. He's been called back to Saudi Arabia, and uh, it sounds like what they're going to do is make him take the blame in exchange for keeping his family alive. Also, San Bernardino County Sheriff's deputy in the hospital this morning after being shot multiple times outside an apartment complex in Adelanto. We are awaiting a news conference to update us on his condition and how everything exactly went down. Uh, LeBron makes his uh, debut, his regular season debut. The Lakers kick off their season tonight in Portland. That's front page news today here in Cleveland, obviously. Is it really? Uh, LeBron, yeah. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, I'm staying also a couple blocks from where they had that full wall dedicated to him. Yeah. Uh, and uh, people here took pictures. It's like a, it was like a thing to take a picture of them taking that down. <laughs> Did they replace it with Baker Mayfield? Not yet. Oh. Not yet. Uh, also, I was just reading an article about that Neil Armstrong movie with Ryan Gosling. Just got ripped apart. Apparently, yeah. they, they say that it just took all the joy out of space travel, all the exhilaration, the technology, uh, the the... The great feat that it was, and they said it's like an emotional, weird story about the marriage and everything. Well, Brian uh, Brian Suits sat in for you on Friday. He had seen it on Thursday night and described it as uh, just almost that it was a good, you know, it was well-made, beautiful, but they took a bunch of stuff out of the movie. Like, they took too much dramatic license with it. it yeah. You don't have to do that. No, it's, it's, it's an, an amazing incredible story. story. Yeah. So, anyway, but they're Canadians. What do you want? Um, all right. <laughs> Justin Warsham, host of the Dad Podcast, uh, has joined us. We've been talking about um, not just the don't touch my baby idiocy, um, but the the Pew Research Center put out some information uh, a couple of weeks ago that shows that in recent years, 21% of millennial parents have opted to stay at home and take care of kids. Yeah. Are, are we? Is this swinging back to what it was in the 60s and 70s? Or is Well, it's it... not close to the numbers that they had in the 60s and 70s because I think it was you know more than half, uh, if not close to half, back in that time. But uh, it's interesting to see. I, I, I ask you guys what your opinion is because I think the easy one is to kind of go for the joke and that say that everybody likes to say that millennials are lazy. 
right? Like that's that's the joke that we all like to go to or that they like to have things the way that they want them. But what if the unintended or intended consequence of this is that just we're seeing the uh, the largest generation, right, is coming into into adulthood, I'm putting in quotes, and they're putting an emphasis back on taking care of their family before their career. Do you think that there's a likelihood of that or is it just I want to do what I want to do? I don't know if it can be both. Um, where we've talked about millennials and attitudes towards careers, for example, where they are much more likely to jump from job to job uh, after a few years, whereas our generation, we were more likely to find a job and stay with it. You know, at, you're only going to have one or two major career changes in your life. Does anyone else feel 85 years old when we broad brush an entire generation? I mean, yeah. th- there are different people in every generation. I mean, I had friends that were not as driven as I was, completely different when it came to ambition and things like that. Uh, and I think that that's the same thing that we're seeing with millennials. I, th- I don't think we can put these people, these people, uh, in, in one basket, you know? <laughs> and I feel like when, we, when we do that, people. we sound like we're 85 years old. Well, Sounds like like a millennial, yeah, am I right, Gary? Exactly. But I think, <laughs> but to that point, I think every, everybody, oh, you know, everybody, once you reach a certain age, can look behind you and go, oh, those kids don't know what they're doing. Right. Yeah. I mean, Abraham Lincoln was looking at the kids of the uh, turn of the eight, the, I guess it would have been the 17th, whatever it was, and go, oh, those kids, they've never had to cut logs in their lives. They don't know what log cutting is like. Right. They've never had to make a cabin out of their... There's a point where you automatically, I think it's just a natural thing, you think they're never going to pull their S together. Does it make me that same 85-year-old guy who also makes him borderline misogynistic that I think that there's also an element of this is that we're finally getting out of the time where women feel like they have to choose a career. I've grown up as a parent seeing a lot of moms really wrestle with the idea of wanting to be a stay-at-home mom, but feel like they get either condescended to or they get looked down upon because they're choosing to be a classic Mrs. Cleaver, you know, Mm -hmm. kind of a thing, as opposed to going out and showing their son or daughter that mom can also have a work and and take care of the, uh, the home equally with dad. That's a good question. I'm I live in that household. I mean, my my wife, for the most part, was able to stay home with the kids, and she enjoyed it. I mean, I, there were probably some times right. where she would prefer to do a vacation to <laughs> just anywhere. Like, but, just, but that could be said about the career person, too, right? Yes. You have lots of great times here, but you have bad times, too. But And I've said this before, but I uh, also my sisters both have husbands who, for the most part, were stay-at-home dads. Uh, and they, for the same reasons, loved what they did and loved that arrangement. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it's if you can say that. Is it progress? Is that the question? Like, is it progress that we can have more stay at home dads than before? Or is it? Progress I think so. That- I think that that more dads think that that's OK and that they you know, it's not taking their macho card away. I think that is progress, you know, that that the woman that the wife can provide for the family. Yeah, I think so, too. My dad uh, put it best on an episode of the dad podcast. He said that. He didn't have that choice, but he would have liked to have had that option. But it literally wasn't a thing. He just was like, what didn't enter his mind. But he said, in today's parenting world, you actually get to play to your strengths. So if you are someone like me who likes to be going to the PTA and the booster club meetings and helping out at the school and coaching the football team afterwards and and doing all of that, being cooking meals and finding things on Yumly, all of that stuff. That's stuff that I, as a dad, love. I, I read good housekeeping, all of that. Right? No, you don't. Take my, yes, I do. Take my man uh. card and rip it to shreds. 
I like that, right? Good My, housekeeping. Yes, it's good. It's fun. You find fun like things what? to do with kitchen like, sponges. I had to have shared this already. There are so many awesome things you could do with a kitchen sponge. Yeah, like catch listeria. <laughs> no, if you take it and moisten it, right, get it wet, put it in a Ziploc bag and stick it in your freezer, it becomes an awesome ice pack where as it melts, it absorbs the water so it doesn't melt all over you. Why don't you just my use a mind. bag of peas? Yeah, my mind is blown. Because then you ruin your peas? Yeah, and how many times are you going to get a vasectomy? Wait, what? Huh? Justin, thank you. I think. <laughs> Justin Warsham, host of The Dad Podcast. Check it out at thedadpodcast.com. Coming back. Uh, an, an update. <laughs> <laughs> I had to get one more in. I was waiting to. <laughs> an update uh, out of San Bernardino County. Best. Andrew Molenbeek is going to join us. We're getting an update on that deputy that was shot and wounded today outside an apartment complex in Adelanto. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640. You got a little, you can use much more. Gary and Shannon, Thursday, it's October 18th. We have a lot to get to in Swamp Watch next hour. When we talk about what's going on in Washington, D.C., we'll update you on uh, Mike Pompeo's debriefing of the president this morning. Talked about his trip to uh, Saudi Arabia and to Turkey, uh, investigating, if you want to call it that, the uh, disappearance of Jamal Khashoggi. Also, uh, I want to read to you part of what is believed to be his last Uh, op-ed piece for the Washington Post before he disappeared. Also, uh, earlier today we found out that a San Bernardino County Sheriff's deputy was wounded when he was shot at an apartment complex in Adelanto. Uh, Andrew Mollenbeck uh, saw this news conference just a short time ago from San Bernardino County Sheriff's Department. Andrew, what's going on? This is a deputy who's been with the department for five years. He has four kids who are in their teens. The whole family is now here at the hospital at Arrowhead Regional Medical Center. What the sheriff's department is saying right now is that this whole event started with a traffic stop this morning in Adelanto. And then two deputies either heard themselves or they got a call about sounds of shots nearby. Uh, This was at an apartment complex. So they walk up to the apartment complex to figure out what's going on. And investigators say at least one person from inside the apartment shot at the deputies. And San Bernardino County Sheriff Jim McMahon says one round hit Deputy Robert John. According to the doctors, a round went through the abdomen and struck several organs. And they treated and fixed those the best of their ability. He remains in critical condition and they will continue to uh, monitor his progress. After the shooting, uh, the deputies who showed up were able to uh, get the deputy who was shot out of there. He was taken by helicopter to the hospital. And then those who responded afterward went into the apartment and arrested two people. And again, this is the Sheriff McMahon saying that the two people are actually from L.A. As you may be aware, this is the third event in the last 14 days where our deputy sheriffs were fired upon by suspects in this county. God. That's incredible. So right now he is in critical but stable condition. Really, it sounds like the complicating factors were not only did the round strike his abdomen, but some organs uh, there as well. But I, I can at least say that his family is here and they are optimistic that he's going to survive. Do we know anything about the guys in custody? Not so far. Uh, that's what we'd like to know. Uh I asked at the news conference, any idea what these two guys from L.A. are doing at an apartment complex uh, late at night? It was early this morning, about 1 o'clock this morning. Uh, They said they haven't figured that out yet. 
but uh, a couple of guys from L.A., they're saying, and so we'll want to find out a lot more about their background. And, and really, one of the other questions was if the sheriff's department believes this was an ambush, that they were, they were specifically trying to lure deputies to the apartment where they were. Uh, so far, investigators say they have no idea if that's the case. Uh, and also, what was the original shooting about? Because, again, this started as deputies are on what we believe to be a totally unrelated call. They're just on a traffic stop. And then they find out that there's sounds of shots really close. What we know so far is that nobody else was actually hit. So what was being shot at that initially led the deputies to this apartment complex? That we don't know. Yeah, it could have just been somebody shooting at nothing at first. Um, right. Is the, uh, is the apartment complex, was it described at all as a hotbed of activity like this? Have they responded to this place before? Is it unusual they- for them to be out in that area? They didn't mention any previous calls at this particular place. And again, we don't know if the people who were actually in the apartment lived there or if they were just visiting or what the the nature of their being there was. Uh, What we did hear is that the deputies were still kind of outside the complex when the one was hit, uh, whether it was walking on the street or the sidewalk. So it wasn't actually in any kind of gated apartment complex or just outside. and, and don't even know for sure whether the, the shooter knew who was walking up. What we also did find out is that the deputy who was shot and is now in critical condition, he had a vest on, those Kevlar vests, but apparently the round went just below the edge of it, and that's when it hit his stomach and those uh, some vital organs there as well. Wow. And then any idea what kind of weapon? Was it a rifle? Was it? Uh, no, it was a handgun. It was a handgun, but so far they're not saying what kind. Uh, you know how that goes, but sure. they said it's a handgun. All right. Andrew, thanks. You got it. Andrew Mullenbeck there, the latest. And again, this was a, a San Bernardino County Sheriff's deputy hit this morning um, when when they were responding what they believe was just uh, they either heard shots or responding to a, a call of shots fired. Robert John, 45 years old, shot today, but he is uh, in critical but stable condition after undergoing surgery. And just based on what they said, you know, if this was a bullet through his abdomen and hit a couple of organs, it's probably not going to be his last surgery that he's going to see. Yeah, and, you know, you're going to probably find, I mean, probably a good chance you're going to find out that this shooter uh, has a background. Why? Probably has a background, probably has uh, done time recently. And in California, we just let people out um i mean you, if you're gonna open fire on a on an officer that's it's pretty damn brazen you, you could, you're probably a career criminal and you could hear the frustration in the sheriff's voice when he was talking about this is the third incident in the last 14 days that's when incredible. deputies have been fired on that is that is a ridiculous number absolutely and, and you ridiculous. know what that's not even covered no you know that's a good point that's one of those things that we don't hear about um, although we should. We it should shouldn't. be news. It should be front-page news that three times in the past two weeks, deputies in San Bernardino County have been fired upon. Where is that? I mean, the media just doesn't care about officers anymore? Is that what we're doing now? Good Lord. We care about horse faces. That's what we care about. That's no, a sad, we, do. we that's don't. That's a sad statement. It is. It? It's true. Yeah. How did how did that tweet get as much uh, press as it did, and yet we don't hear about officers being fired upon next door? All right. Uh, coming back, an update on uh, what we were talking about yesterday. This uh, doctor and his girlfriend accused of drugging and sexually assaulting women. Some weird stuff going on, but there are at least five more charges that have been uh, filed against these two. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640.
Gary and Shannon, did you hear about that interview uh, Joe Biden did? Ooh. About 2020 and the possibility of running? No. Is he in? He said, uh, you know, he's going to think about it. He, he wants to figure out how he feels with his family, maybe make a decision together. He's still obviously reeling from losing his son and he said that his age should be a factor that people should be concerned about a president who would be 75 he's three years older i believe than uh, trump so he said that's totally fair <laughs> you oh. should be worried if i can run up and down the steps of air force too <laughs> <laughs> makes sense um we have been watching uh, the story we just talked with andrew mullenbeck uh, there was a san bernardino county sheriff's deputy who a little about 10 hours ago or so was uh, shot by somebody in an apartment building in Adelanto. The, the deputy's conscious but uh, listed critical but stable. Bullet went through the abdomen and hit a couple of organs. And has already been in surgery and will potentially be in surgery again long before he gets, uh, before he gets out of uh, the hospital. Uh, Dodgers won last night. They beat the, the Brewers. They beat the Brewers, so they're now they're three uh, games to two did you in watch, the National League Championship Did you series. watch that game? Yeah. Did you see that Bellinger hit? E, which one? It look, the, the last one. Oh, yes. It kind of looked like the Kirk Gibson swing. Uh, well, that's what's so weird about lefties. I don't know why they all have the same swing. Um, but, yeah, there were a couple. There have been a couple of times in this postseason where those home – I mean – Justin Turner has had a couple that look like yeah. they were going out, uh, and they fall f- far short of it. Um, but anyway, game six tomorrow night, about 5.30 hour time in Milwaukee, and you can hear the action on AM570 LA Sports. All right. The uh, story that we talked about yesterday because we knew they were going to be in court, Dr. Grant Robichaux and his girlfriend, Sarissa Riley, accused of rape by drugs, kidnapping, oral copulation by anesthesia, assault with intent to commit sex offenses, and some other crimes. Judge has set bail at $1 million for the defendants in light of these new charges. Um, we found out that some of the charges that were added yesterday apparently came before Dr. Robichaux hooked up with Sarissa Riley. Uh, and that's why they're not sharing these uh, these. In, uh, they're not sharing the counts. The surgeon is accused of three felony counts of kidnapping now with intent to commit a sexual offense, four counts of rape by use of drugs, two counts of assault with intent to commit a sexual offense, forcible rape, oral copulation by anesthesia, four counts of possession of a controlled substance for sale, two counts possession of an assault weapon. I mean, all of this, when you add it all together, this guy is potentially looking at 80-plus years in jail. He's found guilty on all of this stuff. One of the big stories coming out of these arrests have, has been timing. What, what's with the timing? The first sexual assault allegation surfaced in April of 2016, and it was the end of 2017 before they got a search warrant. I believe they did the search in, in January, and then it took months for an arrest. And Tony Rakakis kind of broke his silence about that and gave us some more details, saying that some of the defendant's computers and devices, they had to tread lightly because they didn't want to um, violate doctor-patient or attorney-client privilege with these. So they had to have a clean team go in and go through this stuff. And, and obviously that's going to take more time to well, weed through it. When they did do that um, that search warrant, finally when they served it in January of this year, they found the video, or they said they found a video of at least one of the women being assaulted, one of the women who's uh, involved in these charges, 
They also discovered several videos and photographs of other potential victims on the phones, the couple's phones, some of which were taken at festivals that included Burning Man, Splash House, and Palm Springs. They also turned up large quantities of the illegal drugs. That's why this guy's been uh, also accused of controlled substance for sale. Four other firearms, unregistered assault rifles, and several large-capacity magazines. So if nothing else, if nothing else, I mean, the, the, the statement that the couple put out was that they're not guilty of any of this. They unequivocally deny all allegations of non-consensual sex and absolutely deny any allegations that they secretly drugged anyone for the purposes of having sex with them. They didn't say anything about the assault weapons and, uh, and you know, um, drugs that they had in this guy's apartment. But you're right. I mean, we, that was our question is how does it take the January search warrant? Why does it take eight months, basically, before it's turned over to the DA's office, who then in one week, or roughly, comes out with uh, charges and an arrest warrant for this guy? Yeah, and and that was uh, Todd Spitzer, uh, who is who's running against Rakakis in November, and th- those two uh, have been fighting for years. Um, that's what he was saying, speculating that uh, Tony Rakakis was sitting on this because he wanted it to come out closer to the election. And here's the thing that I don't really understand about that reasoning: How does Tony Rakakis, as DA, get a bump for two? bad people that are going around drugging and raping women. Like, how does that give him a boost? Because there's two more bad people in Orange County that they've managed. It's not like it's not like Tony Rakakis was a cowboy here and went out and, and, and found these people. And you know what I mean? It's Yeah, I, I understand. But I but I do think there is something to be said about, well, look at me. I'm busy uh, prosecuting the bad people and keeping, you know, this this place uh, safer. Yeah, than but it everybody knows it's the detectives and the cops and the pr- prosecutors who are actually trying cases that that do the work i, I don't know i just i don't understand i don't follow that reasoning of, of of rakakis getting some sort of bump with with the news conference about these two bad apples you mentioned todd spitzer um he, currently the orange county supervisor running for uh running for da to replace rakakis he has like you said been critical of the prosecutors for not getting on this months ago well he handed to some of the reporters copies of the search warrant from january and that was a sealed search warrant, wasn't well, it? Well, of course. Uh, well, now listen, it, it, there were some media outlets that got it after the charges were filed, but then was sealed by the court. So yesterday the judge had all of the reporters who were in the courtroom turn over the court the copies of the search warrants that Todd Spitzer handed them and then ordered that they not publish any of the details that were in that warrant because they were saying that they, it did, the, the search warrants themselves – not that they would have given away necessarily information about the doctor and the girlfriend, but that they potentially contained extremely sensitive information about the rape victims, and um, that is not something that they want to get out there. Why does it Orange County District Attorney's Office repeatedly embarrass itself? I don't know. Is that, it's it, Todd Spitzer it seem... going after them. It's it's the jailhouse informant program uh, being run afoul. It's just, come on, get it together. It's embarrassing. <laughs> Uh, hey, if you are a hockey fan, hockey fan, now you can hear every L.A. Kings hockey game live on the free iHeartRadio app. You download the app, keyword L.A. Kings, and then you listen to everything. In fact, the Islanders are in town tonight to take on the Kings. The Islanders? Yes. All right. Brought to you by, <laughs> brought to you by Barry's Tickets. Get the tickets you want. Barry'sTickets.com. We have $1,000 we're going to be giving away in a few minutes, and all of our trending stories are coming up. Um 
How long are you going to be able to stick around? I'm leaving now. Oh. Sorry. Because i got to go do the whole TSA thing, and I gotta, I can't miss this flight to London because then we'd be in trouble. Because it's the only flight that has ever gone from <laughs> Cleveland to London. Yes. I mean, I do think that that is true. I don't think there is direct the service people here Cleveland. go to London. Not by way of Cleveland, uh, they don't. Sometimes. No, they got to fly to Cincinnati, Cincinnati to, uh, to LaGuardia or something well, like that. Well, good luck on your flight tomorrow. Yeah, we'll have fun. I can't um, wait. I believe in you. I believe that you're going to withstand the G-forces and your underwear will not be soiled. That's my wish for you. Thank you. You're welcome. I appreciate your heartfelt concern. <laughs> All right. Travel safe. We'll talk Thanks. to you in a bit. Gary Shannon will continue in just a moment. Thursday, October 18th. Uh, in a few minutes, we're going to go through the whole weird schedule that we've got over the next, uh, say, 24, 48 hours. Uh, a little bit about the Pacific, Great Pacific Air Show coming up in Huntington Beach this weekend. Also, why uh, Shannon won't be around tomorrow. And uh, more on what we can expect over the next couple of days when it comes to uh, special coverage here on KFI. Now, uh, the bottom of this hour, we have a bunch to get into, um, including... The president uh, talking about wildfire policies here in the uh, in California. Uh, I just wish that he would ask somebody in California before he does stuff like this. Uh, and then in the one o'clock hour, we're going to talk with Alex Stone, our friend Alex Stone from ABC. Alex Stone, because he is. Uh, he precedes me in the ability to fly in an F-16. He flew with a Thunderbird. So we're going to talk to him about what I can expect for tomorrow. Outside of what the uh, the pilot told me yesterday, if you remember yesterday, um, I asked the question, so let's just say something happens in the cockpit. Um, who's going to be responsible? Who's responsible for uh, for cleanup in the event that something happens? Uh, that would be you. Yeah, we're going to we, uh, make you stay behind uh, and scrub uh, the seat in the cockpit afterwards. So mm, More on that coming up. What else is going on? Time for What's Happening. Well, there is a, there's a pile of $1,000 waiting around. We're, we'll tell you how you can win that $1,000 here in a few minutes. But I wanted to mention this. Uh, 3,000 Hondurans who have apparently made their way all the way through Guatemala uh, and uh, they're now knocking on the door of the southern border of Mexico. This is interesting because this is bringing into question whether or not they would be allowed into the United States. But before they get that far, the question is, will they be allowed into Mexico? The president has already warned Mexico to stop the onslaught. He's warned the leaders of Central American countries that if these caravans are not stopped, we're going to stop sending money to those countries. The president said today if he's unable to do so, if Mexico's unable to stop the onslaught, he would call up the military and close the southern border. I don't know if that means he mean, if he's referring to all traffic. I mean, is he talking about freight traffic, vehicle traffic, pedestrian traffic, or is he just talking about does not letting these people in? Thousands of people, as many as 3,000 of them now, asking Mexico for entry The ambassador to Guatemala, Mexico's ambassador to Guatemala, said, 
you cannot come into Mexico without papers or else you will be deported. That is an odd thing to say, isn't it? You can apply for refugee status in Mexico, but that's going to take you three months at a time. So the Hondurans will not be allowed to enter as a group. They would have to show passports or visas to get in, and apparently very few of them have that. So it looks like most of them will try to apply uh, for some sort of refugee status. But again, it's going to take forever. Story that uh, Shannon mentioned is one of our headlines, this Amber Alert for Jamie Kloss. This is a 13-year-old girl who has been missing from her home in Wisconsin after it was discovered that her mother and father had been shot and killed. By the way, that was confirmed finally. The sheriff there in Barron County, Wisconsin, originally would only say that they were killed and that there was evidence of gunshots in the house. Now they're confirming that, in fact, they were shot and killed. They do believe that Jamie Kloss is still in danger, uh, that she had been taken from her home early Monday morning by somebody with a gun or likely had a gun, according to the FBI office in Milwaukee. And they say they have also found the phone that was used to make a 911 call. You remember, police responded to this home after somebody called the emergency line from a cell phone. And though no one said anything over the phone to the dispatcher, they could hear noise, some sort of a commotion in the background. And according to uh, the sheriff, he says, we believe that Jamie was home at the time based on the evidence in the case, some of it from the 911 call, some of it still part of the active investigation. So at this point, they're saying that they are still worried that Jamie is in grave danger. Uh, if you remember on Monday when we first talked about this and early Tuesday, there was a report maybe of a sighting in Miami that turned out to be totally false. All right, uh, baseball is getting weirder. This offseason seems to be there's a few uh, potential um, game-changing plays uh, and some that are just absolutely bad form. I mean, we talked about Manny Machado kicking the first baseman for the Brewers and his poor slides going into the um, uh, game three. But last night in the Red Sox-Astros game, there was a home run, it looked like. Jose Altuve, all four foot nine inches of him, hit a ball to right field that looked like it was going over the wall for a home run. But as the right fielder for the Red Sox jumps up out of nowhere, by the way, where do you get those hops? Jumps up into the seats, basically, with his, his left arm hanging over the fence. He's about to catch the ball. His glove knocks into one of the fans who was also reaching for the ball. And that process basically closed his glove. And you see the ball in very slow motion. You see the ball hit the outside of the glove. He was going to make the catch. You could reasonably assume he was going to make the catch. So the video replay upheld the umpire's original call, which was fan interference. And the batter is out. Not a ground rule double. The batter is out because the assumption is that the outfielder would have made the play. Some people are saying that this is proof that a big fat guy like Joe West, that's the umpire's name, should not be umpiring in the outfield during these playoff games because he's not fast enough to get out there. And Oh, by the way, he made exactly the right call. And the dumbest part about the entire thing is he just let it be a live ball. Right. So for the guy, what you, one of the quotes was from the guy who hit Mookie Betts' glove. Right. 
to say that that's evidence that Joe West shouldn't be making the calls doesn't make any sense because no. Joe West never ended up making the call. They sent it to the replay officials in New York. Yeah, and that's the who thing. make the calls. It, it, it doesn't have to be a coach's challenge to get the replay. They can all huddle together. The umpires can and decide. Joe West, who was the crew chief, he says, "Listen, I I let it go." Because I knew that I could always come back and replay it and check later in slow motion, which is exactly what he did. He did the exact right thing. So, anyway, they're out. He's out. Jose Altuve is out. Dennis Hoff's Love Ranch brothel is going to shut down following his death. Apparently, too many people are dying or almost dying there. Uh, The Love Ranch was shut down immediately after his death on Tuesday. Um, That was also the place where Lamar Odom overdosed and apparently in the same room. Weird. Creepy. Very creepy. Uh, the the future looks bleak. The Love Ranch can't reopen until someone else locks down licenses. They'll have to prove that they own the property. They have to prove that it can be financially stable and pass background checks. And it's not clear who, in fact, would get it, who is in line to get it. Uh, would be just as bothersome and potentially lunch-altering if it was Ron Jeremy. Because I know that he was friends with Dennis Hoff oh, and was and spent the evening with him the night before he died. Wouldn't it? But his brother runs the Bunny Ranch, so I yeah. would assume his brother would. Take I would over. assume so also, but you, I don't. You know, brothel lineage is not my uh, is not my forte. <laughs> and then Kleenex is finally deciding it's going to rebrand its man sized tissues because extra large tissues are sexist, apparently. Uh, the, the label man size to describe the extra large tissues. The company first launched tissues aimed at men in 1956, claiming that they would stay strong when wet. So starting later this year, the Kleenex man size tissues will be referred to as Kleenex extra large. Who complains about the words, the word man size on your box of Kleenex. I think it's fun to say. Man size. Can you pass me a man size Kleenex? You must have a lot of snot. I Claire Danes cry, so yeah. Um, it's 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 a mess. I'd take a man size. I just, if you have that much free time that you're looking up Kimberly Clark's email complaint line and crafting an email <laughs> to complain about the word man size, let's... Uh, Let's branch out a little bit. Let's get some hobbies in there. Maybe a sewing class or something. All right, coming back. A quick update on how things are going to run over the next few hours, uh, next 24 hours, I should say, because we do have a gas news and brews. We have the Great Pacific Air Show coming up, but both Shannon and I have some things we have to attend to that we'll tell you about in just a few minutes. How about this? To uh, to swab, to swab, to salve the wounds, how about $1,000? Your shot at $1,000 now. Text the nationwide keyword LUCK. To 200, 200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. That's luck to 200, 200. If you win, they'll call you before the top of the hour, but you've got to answer the phone. If you don't win for some reason this hour, next hour between, say, 105 and 120, we'll give you another chance at winning $1,000. In fact, one time an hour from 5 in the morning with Jonesy and Wake Up Call all the way through the first hour of the Conway Show. We're giving away $1,000 Monday through Friday. Gary and Shannon will continue.
Gary and Shannon. Big stories that we've been following. Continuing coverage of the uh, disappearance of Jamal Khashoggi, the Washington Post op-ed columnist. By the way, they did publish what appears to be his last column today. They talked about freedom of expression in the Middle East. Read part of that for you as well. Mike Pompeo is back. He talked to the Saudis about the disappearance and told the Saudis that we're taking this thing very seriously. Side note in all of this, and I guess this is the way things go, one of the members of the 15-member kill team that everybody's been talking about, one of those members of the kill team died in a very suspicious traffic accident in Saudi Arabia. Um, So we're going to see if anything new comes out of that. But Mike Pompeo basically said he thinks that the president should give the Saudis about 72 hours to come up with their version of what happened. Uh, which a lot of people have said is just us giving them more time to concoct some BS story. Dodgers won last night, so they lead Milwaukee 3-2 in the NLCS. Game 6 tomorrow in Milwaukee at about 5.30. And you can hear the action on AM570 LA Sports. And then LeBron, of course, makes his debut as a Los Angeles Laker tonight. Lakers are in Portland to take on the the Trail Blazers. They're at home against the Rockets on Saturday. Okay, we've told you a handful of times over the last couple, uh, last 10 days or so, that a gas news and brews has been scheduled for tomorrow to help kick off the great Pacific air show in Huntington beach. Well, to clarify this, Neil Saavedra will be playing the part of Shannon Farron and Jane Wells will be playing the part of Gary Hoffman tomorrow because Shannon's on a plane and is going to be headed to London to cover the chargers game. Lucky. Uh, that game is going to be heard super early on Sunday morning right here on KFI. And tomorrow morning, I am going to be flying in the backseat of an F-16 with Thunderbird number 8, Major Brandon Felker. Uh, We talked to him yesterday and made this announcement. They have uh, graciously invited me, and I have accepted and apparently passed all of their tests uh, so (laughs) that I can fly with them, uh, with him specifically, tomorrow. Uh, And then the flight itself is scheduled for about 10, and whenever that's done... Producer Nick and I are going to bomb from there over to uh, HQ Gastropub in Huntington Beach and let everybody in on how the flight went. What time uh, does the cleanup crew arrive? Uh, cleanup crew will be right after landing. So okay. some at some point, uh, I will be in charge of cleaning up. That was a question was, you know, what if something does happen? And by the way, the email I got from the Air Force and everybody else I know who's ever flown in high-performance fighter jets like this have said that, It's not an air sickness thing. That's not what usually gets people. It's that they'll pass out. And that's a very common thing just because our bodies aren't used to undergoing seven, eight, nine Gs of pressure. Blood leaves your head and you're out just like that. Um, But they teach you different. One of the reasons I have to show up early is because the flight surgeon and I get to sit there and he tells me uh, how it is that you contract the muscles in your in your thighs in your abdomen, your butt cheeks, and fill your <laughs> fill your lungs with air, big deep breath, and then do a breathing, very specific breathing thing to keep the pressure of the blood in your head so that you don't black out. Um, I was, and I mentioned this earlier. I was reading an article in the Idaho Statesman of all places. One of the uh, reporters for the Idaho Statesman went up with the Thunderbirds recently, and specifically Major Felker. And uh, didn't black out, despite the 9.2 G turn that they made at one point. So, oh my, what and is I was, a nine point whatever you just said. What well, is that? It's 
it's just you get up to speed. I mean, you're going really fast, 500, mm-hmm. 600 miles an hour ground speed. And basically, <laughs> no. they they turn the plane, they bank it a little bit to the left, and then just pull up on the nose. So it's a super hard left turn. And the images that I've seen from inside the cockpit looking towards the back seat, the wings are shaking on that F-16 because you're pulling that many Gs. And that's a, that's the terrifying part to me is that you think of those as just absolutely solid pieces of metal. And they're shaking because there's that many Gs and you're going that fast. Do you think any time um, an expert isn't on board that they take bets on the ground as to what the <laughs> what the guest is, is, is going to do? Um, Pass out? Poop? Vomit? I'm hoping that no one has ever evacuated uh, their bowels or filled their An pants. An over-under on evacuation. Um, but I I know that there's um, there's a certain machismo, shall we say. And I don't know about Major Felker, but I'm just saying that they, there can be and have been in other flight demonstration teams, maybe not necessarily for the Air Force, but maybe for the Navy, uh, where... That's sort of a notch in the belt if you can get the guy in the back seat to pass out. Because because part of it is, you know, I walk into it tomorrow and I go, hey, you know, I, I should handle this okay. I, I hope, you know, my goal is just not passing out. That's my goal. Yeah. Uh, and the guy in the front seat can easily go, well, listen, I do this every day. Mm-hmm. You're going to pass out. And even if I withstand, you know, the first few maneuvers and don't pass out, he's always got one in the back pocket that's like a guaranteed <laughs> nighty night. Right. In fact, I think that's what they call it is the nighty night. I'd rather pass out than have an accident. Yeah, well, they also, it was very funny because the email says some specific things like, you know, air sickness isn't really a problem, but just to make sure that your body is prepared for it, make sure you're hydrated, make sure you got a lot of sleep the night before, that ain't going to happen, make sure you don't overdo the caffeine or the big heavy breakfast or anything like that. Ooh, so what's, what's your plan? What do you mean, what's my plan? Yeah, what are, what are you going to eat? What are you going to do? Oh, I have no idea. I'm going to have a hard-boiled egg Okay. Uh, first thing in the morning. I feel and like, like that's a bad call. And but... a cup of coffee. All right. That's it. Ooh, that egg, though. What about if, the egg? If it comes back up. <laughs> that's why it's only this big. Yeah. I mean, it's not like I'm going to go, I'll have a Denver omelet <laughs> with a side of hash browns and uh, some home fries or something. No, no, just a little bit. Just Watch what everything. you eat for dinner tonight, too. Uh, oh, yeah. I may want to stay away from the... Double-double, animal style. (laughs) Mm. All right. Anyway, that's what's coming up tomorrow. So, Gas News and Brews at HQ Gastro Pub in Huntington Beach from 10 a.m. until 2 p.m. Neil Saavedra and Jane Wells. I will join them as soon as I possibly can uh, after I get checked out from the hospital and producer Nick uh, deems me worthy of going back on the air. So, that is what's happening tomorrow. When we come back, Swamp Watch, uh, what the president has said, the latest on Jamal Khashoggi, because now they're apparently searching the woods, maybe, for the journalist's body. That and uh, what's going on with that caravan of people who may be headed to the United States. Gary and Shannon will continue. Gary and Shannon, Thursday, October 18th. Uh, tomorrow, a reminder, our gas news and brews. We're going to be at uh, HQ Gastro Pub in Huntington Beach helping kick off the Great Pacific Air Show. Just went through the uh, the whole thing, but we will. I will be there as soon as I possibly can. 
Uh, I'm going to be flying with the Air Force early tomorrow and then uh, join the show in progress. Neil Savadra and Jane Wells are going to be sitting in for us. Uh, I don't know if you have seen this, but tomorrow you may be you may be blocked down by baby Trump. This balloon is going to be apparently floating over the interchange of the 10 and the 110. You thought traffic was bad when the president president was in town. Uh, this baby Trump balloon is supposed to be there uh, as part of Politicon. Same one that flew over London a couple mm-hmm. months ago, right? Yeah. And they thought traffic was bad that day. All right. It's time for Swamp Watch. Drain the swamp. We're going to drain the swamp of Washington. We're going to have fun doing it. We're all doing it together. Every day at this time, we get to check in and see what's going on in Washington, D.C. And one of the things that has been percolating the last several days is what sort of a response, if any, we're going to have to Saudi Arabia. Uh, It looks like more and more that the Saudis took out Jamal Khashoggi, the journalist who was working for The Washington Post, Uh, who went to Turkey to get some marriage documents and never came out of the Saudi consulate in Istanbul. And one of the stories is that there was supposed to be an investment conference in Saudi Arabia. Emily Rao has been joining, uh, has been covering the story. She joins us now with uh, the latest. Are we going to see our Treasury Secretary go to this investment conference? Hey, Gary. Well, they call it Davos in the desert. And Just as late as last week, several days ago, Steven Mnuchin said he would be going, but just today he has now said, he announced over Twitter, that after talking with President Trump and Mike Pompeo, the Secretary of State, he has now decided that he will not be participating. And this comes after a whole lot of pressure on Mnuchin to do this. It's sort of the first, uh, what some are interpreting as a rebuke of this whole situation with the Saudis. But you've had people, CEOs and companies from Uber, via. CNN, Bloomberg, all these major companies have been pulling out, saying, you know, not touching this conference, but it took until today for Mnuchin to do the same thing. There has, in some circles, been an attitude that this was a Saudi government thing, this was a Saudi uh, citizen, this was not in the United States, and that we shouldn't necessarily be making as big a deal about it as we have been. But sending the secretary of state to Saudi Arabia, to Turkey, and then to come home and to brief the president, this is proof that we are taking this thing very seriously. Uh, Some say yes. Uh, Others say it's just proof that so much pressure is being put on the president and his administration that they really had no choice but to do something. And that uh, some people say this is really just, you know, sort of lip service, because at this point, we are 16 days out from when Jamal Khashoggi walked into that consulate in Istanbul and never came back out. Uh, So, yes, you're seeing people say that. Also interesting how many lawmakers on both sides of the aisle here in the U.S. have really condemned what's going on and said that there will have to be consequences. But you're right in that the Trump administration is really trying to carefully toe the line here and and not condemn the Saudis. Uh, Mike Pompeo saying just today, let's give them a few more days to finish this investigation and then everyone can see the evidence and that we can see and, and act or possibly not act after that point. Uh, Consequences. That's an interesting word. Uh, Lindsey Graham was one of those who came out and said that there should be consequences as well. But are we talking 
um, some sort of uh, financial hit against the Saudis? Are we talking about uh, international pressure to remove the royal family or at least the crown prince? You know, it's unclear. I was actually in the Oval Office on Saturday when President Trump was asked about that because, you know, he we'd seen the clip from 60 Minutes saying that he would he would support consequences. And so reporters kept asking, what did you mean by that? What what would be some examples? And he actually deferred to some of his cabinet members that were in the room. He didn't give any examples. They didn't give any clear examples either, although, you know, they've said there are several things that we could do. Of course, one of them that lawmakers have pointed to is that huge multi-billion dollar arms deal in the works with the Saudis. Uh, some people saying we should pull out of that, we should cancel it altogether. President Trump, of course, really backing away from that, repeatedly saying that the only thing that would do would be to hurt the U.S. So it's very interesting, and, and, and we don't know exactly what those options are. Uh, International Monetary Fund Chief Christine Lagarde, she withdrew from that future investment initiative that we mm-hmm. that we we're talking about with Steve Mnuchin. You mentioned all these other corporate things as well, uh, corporate uh, entities that have pulled out of the conference. Um, is Does it go on? I mean, are there even enough other people to go to hold a conference? Right. That's the big question now. And, you know, it seems to be that this whole conference is really a pet project of the Crown Prince. And, of course, we know that uh, Jared Kushner, advisor to the president, his son-in-law, has really been one of the leaders of beefing up that relationship. There are reports that Kushner has told President Trump, you know, we want to really, you know, keep this relationship strong. So, but now they're asking with all these people backing out, will it go on or will he be forced to cancel? And we so far haven't seen anything uh, to suggest that he will cancel it, but that would certainly be a huge moment. Absolutely. Emily, thank you so much. Thanks, Gary. Emily Rao with the latest on uh, what's going on with the uh, pushback against Saudi Arabia as a result of the death, uh, sorry, disappearance of Jamal Khashoggi. One of the things is that Uh, There was a report in the Saudi uh, news media today that one of the reported 15 members of a kill team, one of them died in a suspicious traffic accident. (laughs) Yeah, 14 down, according to Saudis, 14 down, one to go. When we come back, the latest on what's going on with this migrant caravan, the latest one from Honduras, supposedly heading to the United States, what Mexico's reaction to this has been, and what the president said his reaction would be if this thing continues. That's coming up next on Gary and Shannon. We'll continue our Swamp Watch. It's Thursday. It's October 18th. Gas News and Brews tomorrow at HQ Gastro Pub in Huntington Beach, kicking off the Great Pacific Air Show all weekend. We'll be down there for different uh, different times of the day. Neil Saavedra, Jane Wells are going to be in for us tomorrow to start the show. Uh, I'll come along at one point because I'm going to be flying with the Air Force Thunderbirds tomorrow morning. Producer Nick and I have been trying to game plan how it is we're going to go about doing this. Um, but we'll keep you updated on social media. So if you want to follow the progress of the flights, flight uh, at Gary and Shannon is how we're going to post all of this stuff tomorrow. Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram, etc. Big stories that we have been following today locally. The San Bernardino County Sheriff's deputy that was shot early this morning, shot by someone 
in an apartment building in Adelanto. I had to undergo surgery, was hit in the abdomen, uh, some organ damage. So uh, there was also a fire in an underground natural gas storage area up in the Bay Area today, which is a strange story because Chevron had to shut down a natural gas pipeline. And they said they were going to inject it with nitrogen to put the fire out. But they had to evacuate several thousand people uh, out of the way because of the potential for explosion. All right. Um, speaking of explosion, the president uh, made some comments at a cabinet meeting yesterday that's uh, infuriated a few people. Uh, he was talking about fire management strategy here in California. And the the problem that the president gets into when it comes to this issue is – He needs to have somebody on the ground in the state of California telling him what's going on in the state of California. He said at this meeting, I say to the governor or whoever's going to be the governor of California, you better get your act together. We're not just we're just not going to continue to pay the kind of money we're paying because of fires that should never be to the extent. Now, outside of the weird context of what he's saying, there were suggestions that the forest management that we're doing, the firefighting that we're doing is not working. A couple of months ago, you remember he said that our environmental laws were preventing firefighters from accessing water. Also not a thing. That, that, that's, that's not true. But the issue of old trees sitting, rotting, drying on the floor uh, of a forest and that the state is not cleaning them up and doesn't touch them. I have a bigger issue with the way we've been fighting fires because there are some fires that should be allowed to burn and burn themselves out as long as they're not in the way of, uh, you know, coming rolling down the hills into someone's neighborhood. That's where we need to draw our lines because fire is a very natural process of a forest life. So the idea that there would be dry, rotting, dead trees on the forest floor is supposed to be burned. They are supposed to burn. Now, the other issue is this is not a state issue all the time. Because about half of all of our fire acres, I mean, you look at a a million and a half acres last year, almost a million and a half. About half of that was on federal land. This year, 1.366 million acres have burned. About half of that has been on federal land. I mean, we're not done yet, but this is one of those things that the president doesn't have to get – he doesn't have to get involved with because the unfortunate thing is he doesn't have somebody on the ground here – telling him what's going on so he makes some some weird comments that just don't pertain to anything when it comes to fighting fires in california oh and then there's this what do you think he just tweeted sit back relax and enjoy my tweets in the context of this caravan of honduran immigrants sorry migrants that's coming through uh trying to come through mexico his tweet from this morning i'm watching the democrat party lead uh, sorry led assault sorry I'm trying to read this. I'm watching the Democrat Party led because they want open borders and existing weak laws. Assault on our country by Guatemala, Honduras, and El Salvador, whose leaders are doing little to stop this large flow of people, including many criminals, from entering the United States. In addition to stopping all payments to these countries, which seem to have almost no control over their population, I must, in the strongest of terms, ask Mexico to stop this onslaught. Guess what? Mexico got this message. The Mexican government dispatched a couple of Boeing 727s full of federales to the southern border, to Tapachula, Chiapas, on the border with Guatemala. The 4,000-strong migrant group that's been marching from Honduras, eventually, they say, to get to the United States, has been stopped there. They have been in something of a standoff 
uh, with different immigration officials in different countries as they make their way through. Now, they're going to get to the Mexican border, and Mexico is going to say to them, papers, please. You must have a passport or a visa to get into Mexico and a reason to be there. And if you don't have those, yes, you can apply for refugee status, but that's going to take you three months probably to get through there. They, they've been telling these migrants, Mexican officials, even though they're not actually at the border yet with Mexico, they've been telling them, listen, there is no transit visa that allows you to cross through Mexico and go all the way to the to the northern border with the United States. The president has said, if necessary, he would dispatch the U.S. military to the border and stop, stop cross-border traffic. I don't know if he's talking about business traffic, freight traffic, pedestrian traffic, exactly what he means. But he is saying, and uh, he's very serious about doing this, it sounds like, to try to prevent these people from coming into the United States. All right, coming back. Alex Stone and I have many things in common. And one of them after tomorrow will be that we've both flown in an F-16 with the Air Force Thunderbirds. We'll talk to Alex about his experience. Heck of a ride. Heck of a ride. Uh, coming up next on the Gary and Shannon Show. We have $1,000. We're going to be telling you how you can win in just a few minutes. Also, a reminder that tomorrow is our next Gas News and Bruce, although it's an altered menu, if you want to call it that. We're going to be at HQ's Gastropub down in Huntington Beach to help kick off the Great Pacific Air Show, which actually starts at about 1030. It's not a practice day, by the way. Tomorrow is a full-fledged air show right along the beach, and the weather this weekend should be absolutely fantastic for uh, for air show stuff. So, uh, we'll tell you a couple of different ways that you can listen along. And, of course, there's information up on our website at KFI AM 640. Uh, the altered menu is that we're going to see Neil Saavedra and Jane Wells in for us tomorrow, at least to start the uh, Gas News and Brews, because I will be flying with the uh, the Air Force Thunderbirds tomorrow. Uh, I get to get up nice and early and uh, head on down to the base and meet them, and they take me for a flight. It's a couple hours worth of training beforehand. And if you were around yesterday afternoon, about 1.30, I talked with Major Brandon Felker, a kid from Irvine, kid, who is now a pilot, uh, Thunderbird number 8, as a matter of fact, who's going to be taking me up tomorrow. And uh, when I asked about the potential consequences, who's responsible for uh, for cleanup in the event that something happens? Uh, that would be you. Yeah, we're going to re- uh, make you stay behind uh, and scrub uh, the seat in the cockpit afterwards. So. All right. Well, one of the other people that I know who's been on the uh, receiving end of those instructions is uh, is Alex Stone, who we Heck hear from all the time. Heck of a ride, brother. Heck of a ride. Uh, all right. Explain your experience with the Thunderbirds. That was a year ago, right? Uh, it was a, a few years ago, but uh, I left you a little gift in uh, number eight there that uh, you'll find when <laughs> you get it. Great. Uh, it was, it's amazing. We went out of... Uh, Cheyenne and uh, flew all over Wyoming and, and Colorado and we were up there for a couple of hours and uh, first of all are you gonna do you want to go to nine G's I don't see why not it's painful but man you get a story and you get a pin you get your nine G pin at the end of it to say uh, that, that you've done it that you're one of the few to, to experience it so you're gonna walk in they're going to, to do a medical checkup on you. You'll get your blood pressure taken. They'll check a couple of things to make sure you're not going to die inside the, the cabin of this thing. Then they bring you get into a flight suit. 
Uh, you look like you're in the military. And there's a good chance, this may be spoiling it, so hopefully uh, they do this, good chance your name is going to be on the side of the plane. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and you walk up and, you know, you've got Top Gun playing in your head, and you're also, you know, a little freaked out because of uh, what you're about to do. Uh, You hop in, they show you how to use the ejection seat, and you're thinking, my God, if I have to use this thing today, this is going to go really bad. Well, let me just tell you, my story would be better than yours if that happens. Oh, it would be amazing. (laughs) Well, they tell you, if we have to use the ejection seat, you're probably going to pass out and you may not live. And you go, well, that's a problem. This is not going to go so well. Uh, Because they say the force of getting out of there. Plus, you're in the back, and if the canopy doesn't completely clear when you eject, you slam against the canopy. Well, they tell you all of this, and you're going. So they're telling you don't accidentally pull this between your legs, and you're going. Don't worry, I won't. I won't pull this. Um, And depending on what your pilot does, uh, we went out to the runway. They cleared us for takeoff. He took off. We ran parallel to the runway for about two seconds, and he says uh, into your headset, "You ready, Alex?" In your case, I hope he doesn't call you Alex. And you say, uh, I'm ready, Major. And uh, and then you just go straight up. And you yeah. get, I think, about five Gs right there. And you're just plastered to the bottom as you're flying up. And they're taping this whole thing. So if you pass out or you puke, we're going to see it. Yeah. And uh, then you do a number of different maneuvers. And uh, they decide when they're going to do the 9G turn. And... At least in in my video, you see uh, condensation coming off of the wings as he's pulling this turn so you can see when it's happening. Your flight suit is inflating and getting tight on your legs to try to keep blood in the lower extremities so it doesn't all go rushing to your head. Uh, You're doing a breathing exercise like you're in Lamaze class. You're doing (laughs) as, uh, as you're going through this. And... Some people pass out, some don't, and uh, and it hurts like hell. And then uh, he asks you how you're doing, and you continue on. Uh, did you pass out? I did not. Okay. And I, I didn't feel like that I was getting close. The only thing I got close to, they're going to strap a puke bag onto your leg mm-hmm. for you to grab, and you quickly have to rip off your oxygen mask, and you'll be uh, you know shown on video puking. A lot of people puke. A lot of people pass out. If you look online on YouTube, you'll see a number of celebrities passing out when uh, when they're on these flights. The thing that got to me was at the very end when we flew inverted for a while. Mm-hmm. So we go upside down, and he dropped at the same time. So everything we were weightless, so everything would float in the cabin. And we did that for about thirty seconds. And I said, "We're okay. Thank you." <laughs> you know, we had we had gone. And then you grab the stick and you think you flip the thing back over, and exactly. you say, "That's well, enough." You got a stick right in front of you. You definitely could. We hit. 9.4 G's on our 9 G turn, and we did a number of other maneuvers. We've gone up, we've gone down. He flipped us over, and and when you're doing the inverted and you're upside down for a while, everything's floating. You're, at least in my experience, it was all right. I'm totally gonna to you, blow it right now. You so. know what's amazing? I mean, obviously, one of the reasons that the Air Force does this, uh, that any branch of the military has a demonstration team like this, is is for um, just proof that they can do this i mean that that these that these people train for this constantly and in the event of an actual wartime situation those maneuvers that they do they would do at the same time they were trying to you know knock somebody else out of the air save somebody else. i mean these are potential life and death situations that they're in and i don't know if you could tell at all was your pilot uh under strain or stress that i mean we talk about the stress of what 9Gs feels like to you and I in that we're not used to it. Did you even get the sense that it was even 
I mean, they had a runny nose or anything? I mean, no, and I mean, the one thing you'll notice is they are so calm. And you'll yeah. hear them on the radio talking to their uh, cohort said that, at least in, in our case, the rest of the team was many miles away practicing on their own, and we were off doing our own thing. And you'd hear them talking to each other, and you're doing the craziest of maneuvers. And it's, uh, Gary, how you doing back there? And you're back there going, ah! <laughs> Uh, and it's, uh, you're still awake, right? And, uh, I mean, he's, they are completely, and they have to be. And you do, even as a pilot, have to be trying to stay ahead of the blood flow moving around in the wrong places. Because, I mean, in the case of, you know, there was a recent case of a, a pilot that, that didn't go so well. And now we've learned this last week that he passed out in, in one of these maneuvers. So even for pilots... They they can train, they can spend thousands of hours in the air, and and they have to deal with it as well and go through those same maneuvers and the breathing. And I mean, they're not immune when you're hitting nine points. Think of when the Blue Angels are flying, their planes will max out at six or seven Gs. The Thunderbirds and the F-16s are hitting 9.3, 9.4 Gs. You're going to have a gravitational force, uh, meter in front of you. It'll be one of the things in the, the cockpit in front of you. And you watch that thing go up and just feel, I mean, it feels like a million elephants are sitting on top of you. You really can't breathe as you're doing it, but they pull out of it fast enough. And, and you know, then you're, and you start breathing again and, and then you're good to go. Well, I'm going to have to ask about that. My father-in-law was a Blue Angel and he flew A4s with the Blue Angels in 1980 and 81. And if they can't pull nine Gs, but I can... Then, and maybe they could have back then. But well, the Thunderbirds will be very proud to tell you that no one else in the sky is pulling the, the Gs that they're pulling. Because that just totally altered my Thanksgiving dinner. It's going to be well, like a movie of the Oath, but in a different way. Right. All right. So 24 hours from now, hopefully we can compare 9G pins. Oh, my God. I, I want to hear everything of how it goes. I hope we see pictures and video. Oh, we will. It'll be amazing. And trust me, when you get back on the ground, you may be hungry before you go, but you are not going to stop at Applebee's on your way out of that airport. <laughs> awesome. Alex, thank you. We'll keep you updated. You got it. Thanks, Gary. Alex Stone. Thank you. Uh, I guess oh you could my say God. Thunderbird friends. Soon to be Thunderbird brothers. I can say Alex Stone is a badass. He didn't pass out. Yeah, and he got that 9G pin. Yeah. And now you know there's a prize at the end. Yeah, I like prizes. I like presents. Those are nice things. Hey, we got $1,000. That's a good prize and a present. You're shot at $1,000 now. Text the nationwide keyword money to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. That's money to 200-200. If you win, they'll call you before the top of the hour. If you don't win... Your next chance to win is during the John and Ken show between, say, 205 and 220. Chance to win $1,000 once an hour, Monday through Friday, from 5 a.m. through 620 p.m. right here on KFI. When we come back, Mark Saltzman's going to join us. Why memes make us fat? <laughs> Gary and Shannon will continue. Do you slide on all your nights like this? Do you try on all your nights like this? Shannon. Bottom of the hour, we're going to get into some weird uh, science stories, including a scientific explanation why we hate hearing about other people's vacations. We hate it, but they tell us anyway. 
explain all of that. Uh, every Thursday at about this time, we get to welcome in uh, some Tech Talk with Smart Guy. The machines are getting smarter. This is Tech Talk. Brought to you by Skynet. And playing the role of Smart Guy today, as always, Mark Saltzman. How are you? I got my tape in, in between my glasses. That's what you're looking for, right? <laughs> Well, it matches my pocket protector. I, I prefer smart to nerd, but I think you okay, can probably right, you, you can you could be both. You can definitely be both. Yeah, um, we're geek badge proudly. <laughs> I uh, I saw this headline and I was amazed at it that memes could potentially lead to <laughs> teenage obesity. What's going yeah, on? Yeah, so usually memes give us a little bit of joy. Uh, in our otherwise busy and hectic lives, right? It's usually an image or a video that's been uh, spread like crazy over the internet, maybe uh, altered a little bit by somebody. It's usually meant to just slap a little funny smile on your face. But the, the let's call it the art form, was uh, slapped with three different things in, in Europe over the last month that, that may curb its popularity. One is that the European Parliament passed a copyright law that prohibits the spreading of memes because it's somebody's intellectual property. Good luck in enforcing that. The second is that Sweden's advertising agency Watchdog ruled that the very popular meme, uh, often called distracted boyfriend, where it's a guy walking with this girl and he's looking at uh, the behind of another girl. And then usually there's some words that are placed above and beyond that, uh, <laughs> above and below that photo that are relevant to whatever's going on in the news that day. That's now sexist. And banned. Of course. And then the third is that some academics have told British lawmakers that internet memes can be contributing to the UK obesity crisis. So the rationale behind that is that a lot of memes have, not a lot, but a, a, a number of them, I've seen maybe two or three, have an obese child or an obese person with something about food written on it. And apparently that uh, is is being accused of that these these have the potential of normalizing undesirable behaviors or causing shame which can cause then more eating for those who uh, eat to you know make themselves feel better and it's you know inappropriate and potentially harmful is what this study found i think it's ridiculous yeah. but you know to see a little chubby asian kid and, and the headline says free food count me in and he's talking on the phone i don't you know I'm not laughing at his race. I'm not laughing at his size. It's just a funny collectively picture. But, you know, you don't like memes. You don't have to pass them on. You don't have to doctor them to make them your own. Just, you know, I just I don't, don't know. What's your take on that, Gary? I, I realize, I don't know if it's making us fat. I think it's making us dumber because people don't, <laughs> well, they don't want to tell their own jokes. They'll just repeat what they see, you know, what they, yeah. some funny line that they heard somebody else say. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, this is like a little very quick little picture or video. I don't know, unless, you know, I think most of us could determine what is, you know, genuinely offensive, yeah. but I, I'm not one of these PC folks. that's like, you know what? That's ageist. That's making fun <laughs> of my grandfather or yeah. that's sexist, you know, unless it crosses the line, of course, but uh, no, I mean, you know, so this is, it was like, it was a triple blow against the meme culture, uh, just that last month alone. So we'll see what happens there. I think in North America, we're, we're a lot more laid back about this kind of stuff. Big deal. Technologically speaking coming into certain areas of los angeles at least um uh looked like it came october 1st was the rollout of 5g wireless home broadband service yeah so this is kind of interesting uh gary because this this speed this cellular speed 
that if it catches on, and, and, and at all points that it will, at some point nationally, that this could be the beginning of the third of the, the cord cutting age, let's call it. So a couple of years ago, many of your listeners, I'm sure they ditched their landlines. They're like, I don't need one. I've got a mobile phone and that's fine. Then we saw the cable cutting happen with over-the-top services like Netflix and Amazon Prime Video and Hulu and all that, right? Don't need, don't need my cable anymore, maybe. Now we're seeing people canceling their home Wi-Fi, their home internet, because the cellular speeds are going to get so fast that it will trump what you can, you know, usually it's inferior to your Wi-Fi at home, cellular speeds, but it will be considerably faster. Not just, not quite yet. There are some major carriers like T-Mobile and Verizon uh, and AT&T and Sprint that are all testing 5G in different capacities and in different markets. And they're getting some really impressive speeds. But the promise is that by late 2019, early 2020, we can be talking a hundred times faster than 4G, which is what we've got today, cellular wise. So that means you can, the concept of downloading is done. You just tap on something and it's there. Like it's that fast that there's no more downloading. Everything's in the cloud and you don't have to wait for anything. So that's kind of exciting. That would be fantastic because I, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I don't have great cellular service at my house and that's why we've relied on Wi-Fi for so long. But if they're able to upgrade some of these different areas and maybe increase right. their coverage areas with this 5G, then I'm in. Yes. Yeah, so they're working on three things. You're right. So speed. Um, uh, bandwidth, so like how many devices can be on that same network at the same time without any noticeable slowdown. So speed, uh, support, and then uh, breadth, if you will, or range. And yeah, if that can help fill those dead zones that we are experiencing today, depending on the city that you're that you're in, then then great. But there's also was just unveiled a couple of weeks ago something called um, Wi-Fi six, which is like sort of the next generation in wireless uh, connectivity at home. Wi-Fi is called Wi-Fi six. So not anymore the 802.11 blah, sure. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So that's also in the, at least as a stopgap solution, what should bring faster Wi-Fi in the, in the short term. So that's pretty exciting all around. Awesome. Mark, thank you once again. Thanks for having me. You Thanks, bet. Gary. Mark Saltzman, make sure you follow Mark and find out all of his uh, articles that he's writing for USA Today and uh, AARP, et cetera. Mark with a C, M-A-R-C underscore Saltzman on Twitter. And you can find all of his stuff on there. Coming back, some cool, odd science stories. Think of a name. Thursday, it's October 18th. Tomorrow is Friday, so that means there will be a gas news and brews at HQ Gastro Pub in Huntington Beach. Neil Saavedra and Jane Wells are going to be the ones who are playing the parts of Gary and Shannon tomorrow, just at least at the beginning. Shannon's on her way to London to cover the Chargers game. I'll be up in the air flying with the Air Force Thunderbirds tomorrow, the demonstration flight squadron. And then as soon as we're done with that, producer Nick and I are going to bump on down to Huntington Beach and we'll join everybody at the News and Brews and regale everyone with our stories. And hopefully I'll have uh, uh, a 9G pin at that point to show off to everybody. Um, so anyway, that that should be a fantastic time to help kick off the Great Pacific Air Show, which begins tomorrow right there along Huntington Beach. Um, we have a bunch of information about the air show on our website. If you want to go to KFIAM640.com, 
Um, you can see all the information about what's going on over the weekend for Huntington Beach. And we'll do we'll be doing a couple of different shows out there as well. I think I may be headed back out there on Sunday uh, where I'm going to talk with Dean uh, about a bunch of things, including how to build your own airplane, that sort of stuff. Um, top stories that we have been following include uh, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. He showed up to the White House today to talk to the president about what he was telling the Saudis and the the Turkish government about the death of a I should say a disappearance, although the president says it's likely that Jamal Khashoggi is now dead. Uh, but w- what it is that Mike Pompeo told the Saudis, something along the lines of we take the dis- disappearance very seriously. Their Taliban tried to execute a an American uh, official there, the commander of U.S. troops in Afghanistan, General Austin Miller, a- escaped unhurt, but there were three officials of Kandahar province who were killed by the Taliban earlier today. Um, Okay. I got a whole stack of stories here that are cool, but they're science. They're like strange science stories. Strange science. It's like weird science, but strange. And I know, I know exactly why producer Nick put this in the stack today. We told you last Thursday about that wacky launch and then aborted launch that took place in Russia. The astronaut and the cosmonaut who were headed to the International Space Station, but something went wrong with the Soyuz rocket and they had to make an emergency ballistic descent. Um, Nick Haig is the astronaut who was on board and he said there was no time to panic. Their minds automatically went to a checklist of life or death tasks. Training really takes over, which I think is funny. Considering I'll be in an F-16 tomorrow. Thanks, Nick. Listen, I honestly uh-huh. didn't think of that when I pulled the story. You tell that to my wife tomorrow afternoon, all right? Okay. All right, great. Uh, speaking of astronauts, so NASA has confirmed reports that Big Bird was in talks to fly on a space shuttle. Now, this came up because yesterday we talked about the retirement of Carol Spinney, the guy who plays eight foot to two inch Big Bird on Sesame Street, along with Oscar the Grouch, but Big Bird's probably the more um, well known character. This came up again in reference to this newly released documentary called "I Am Big Bird." It traces Carol Spinney's career and personal life and refers to the whole space shuttle thing in the film, uh, which is interesting because I had never heard this story before. Carol Spinney says. I got a letter from NASA asking if I would be willing to join a mission to orbit the Earth as Big Bird to encourage kids to get interested in space. Can you imagine just the images of Big Bird in the space shuttle? It's awesome. It would have been fantastic. Uh, He said eventually they figured out there, there actually wasn't enough room for the Big Bird outfit. There wasn't enough... I mean, there's just not enough. There's not a lot of extra space there for you to stow away luggage and teddy bears and stuff. Can you so imagine there- being one of the astronauts, too, and being being in that shuttle for days and sometimes weeks or months? And little yellow feathers are floating oh around all over the place? You'd want to you'd wanna destroy that puppet. Let me throw this twist in there for you, though. There wasn't enough room for the puppet in the end, so Carol Spinney and Big Bird were replaced by Krista McAuliffe. Oh. on the space shuttle Challenger that eventually exploded. So if you can imagine 
I mean, that was a traumatic experience. I remember being in the seventh grade when it happened. I remember I was in the U.S. history class, or I was in the world history class when the U.S. history teacher came in and told our teacher what had happened. We weren't watching it live, but I remember when that happened, and he had tears in his eyes. Mr. Lamb, he had tears in his eyes when he explained to her what had happened. Um, Could you imagine if, this is weird to say, Big Bird died in the Space Shuttle Challenger? That would have been so traumatic for you so many children. imagine how mind-blowing that would have been for many people? I mean, as uh, uh, compounding the tragedy that we saw. Um, r- recently, they didn't do Big Bird or even Snuffleupagus or Ernie and Bert, but NASA did put Slimy the Worm. They did put Ernie's Rubber Ducky and a cookie from Cookie Monster aboard the Orion test capsule for the last December's orbital flight test. That's cute. So, very cool. Um, all right, when we come back, why it is we hate hearing about other people's vacations and why this fish is becoming even hornier because of your antidepressants. The weird science is weird. It's very strange. <laughs> Gary and Shannon will continue. Gary and Shannon, big stories that we've been following today locally, this uh, San Bernardino County deputy who was shot uh, about uh, 13 hours ago now, someone in an apartment opened building on a couple of deputies. Um, an apartment building opened fire on a couple of deputies who had uh, stopped somebody at a traffic stop nearby. And that deputy is is conscious, uh, critical but stable condition, they said, after surgery today because he was hit in the gut and it went through and tore up a couple of organs. Um, usually that means multiple surgeries, so... Uh, we'll keep an eye on that guy. Uh, Dodgers won last night, so they lead the Brewers 3-2 to two in the National League Championship Series. So Game 6 is tomorrow in Milwaukee. They just need one more one more win to move on to the World Series. Uh, see if they can take on the Red Sox or the Astros. The Red Sox won last night, so they're ahead in that series. Three games to one. And then LeBron is making his debut as a Laker tonight. They're up in Portland uh, to take on the Trailblazers. The first home game for LeBron as a Laker will be against the Rockets coming up on Saturday. Well, we've been doing some weird science stories. Scientists have noticed that uh, fish have been exposed to Prozac. And when the fish are exposed to Prozac, they get a little horny. Monash University has done a study. Animals were given the drug in a tank in a lab, and they spent more time chasing females than those that were not exposed to Prozac in the water. Now, this is an issue because we've talked about how drugs, our drugs, when we flush them or get rid of them through our normal waste processes, end up in the fish. So I suppose this makes the fish just a bit uh, hornier because of the levels of antidepressants in the water. The Antarctic shelf ice shelf is singing, which is weird. They're talking about uh, journal Physi- Geophysical Research Letters, which, uh, which Nick brought into work today. Uh, they have found that the ice shelf, which floats on the Southern Ocean next to the Antarctic continent, researchers found dozens of seismic sensors. They buried them under the shelf's surface. But when they went about to analyze more than two years of data, they discovered that the rough surface, which they call a fern layer, is constantly vibrating because of the wind. It's vibrating in response to the changing weather conditions. And when the temperatures rise or fall, for instance, or when storms re-sculpt the snow dunes, etc., the fern is alive with vibration, which actually sends out a tone that it's, that it's almost singing. It's very, very strange. 
And then someone actually did a scientific study as to why we hate hearing about other people's vacations. Why we hate hearing about them. Which is funny because we love telling people about them at the same time. First, it's under, it, they wanted to understand why people value an experience, okay, as opposed to stuff. People value experiences because they believe those experiences are more reflective of who they are. So if someone talks about a recent trip they took, they're actually talking about themselves, which proves to them to be more rewarding. Harvard did a study, and it talked about the when you talk about yourself and an experience that you've had, it causes neural activity in the area of the brain that's associated with sex, cocaine, and good food. It's like it's like an, a scene from nine and a half weeks. When you start talking about your own experiences, it feels that good. But they also found that it was irrelevant whether you were actually talking to anybody who was listening. Kind of like this show. Because talking about yourself is inherently enjoyable regardless of whether or not the audience even exists. Okay. The study also shows... That those who had an extraordinary experience ultimately wished that they had an ordinary experience instead so they'd be able to relate to their peers. For example, you go whale watching and an orca, uh, I don't know, flops itself onto the deck of the boat. That's an extraordinary experience. And when you relate that story, the people look at you like, "That, that could never happen. There's zero relation there. What I thought was most interesting is people never predict correctly when asked, if they think others would be ex- interested in that extraordinary experience. If you asked me about my whale watching trip and if Deborah would be interested that the killer whale flopped itself onto the deck of the boat and then flopped off, I'd go, oh, yeah, she'd totally want to hear about oh, that. Oh, totally would want to hear that. Uh, reality proves the opposite. Storytellers often think that people enjoy being told new information. In reality, people are more likely to enjoy a story if they're familiar with the subject matter. If I tell you this great story this great story about my spelunking in the Central California caverns, you'd say, that doesn't I've never I don't think that's a thing. I say, Oh, that's nice. <laughs> exactly. Uh a relationship psychologist says people are generally pretty self absorbed, which is why it doesn't register that nobody wants to hear every single detail of their recent vacation. Imagine the old the old image that you have about your parents setting up the slide projector and talking about their experience on their vacation when everybody else is really only there for the hot toddies. They could care less about the actual vacation. My wife says this every time when I wake up and I go, I had the weirdest dream, and I just her eyes just glaze over because I always assume she'd be interested in hearing about my crazy dream. Meanwhile, she has she's only smiling and laughing, thinking about uh, uh, what she's going to do for the rest of the day and not registering one word of what it is that I'm saying about it. But when you take an informal survey of friends, um, you can can vary different reasons about why you don't want to hear someone else's vacation. I don't want to hear about your dream vacation because it's not mine. Maybe it comes off as uh, you're bragging. Oh, I went to Costa Rica and spent uh, two weeks in the Manuel Antonio National Forest. Or it's a way to get attention from the opposite sex. But any other reason 
uh, is probably just inherently annoying. The reason why you would tell a story about your vacation and expect other people to enjoy it. All right. A reminder. We have $1,000 that John and Ken are gonna, going to be giving away just after the top of the hour. And tomorrow's News and Brews is still on HQ Gastropub in Huntington Beach to help kick off the Great Pacific Air Show. All the information is on the website. I will be flying in an F-16, fingers crossed, tomorrow morning. And when I'm done with that, I'll go straight to the uh, News and Brews at HQ Gastropub and tell you how things went. And then the uh, Thunderbirds will be performing as part of the air show as well later on in the day. All right? Sounds good. Don't forget you can follow all of the early morning machinations of our uh, of our trip at Gary and Shannon on uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, et cetera. We'll make sure we post a bunch of stuff in there. Gary and Shannon, we'll see you later. See you tomorrow. <laughs> Stay high and dry, my friends.